next on the list. I'm gonna help you because you're a daredevil and you like danger. Well, Darby Allen, there's nothing you could do that's more dangerous than wrestling CM Punk. Except wrestling CM Punk in Chicago. I will see you and I'll see Sting and I'll see all of you September 5th at all. Welcome to an all-new episode of Palace Off the Top Rope. Thank you so much for joining me, ladies and gentlemen. And we are on the road to AEW's All Out 2021 event live this Sunday on pay-per-view as the returning CM Punk just said in that fiery promo at the beginning that you just heard there. Um, I'm going to be bringing on Brandon McLaughlin and we're going to run down the entire event. Plus a couple of other things that I need to talk to him about. Uh, a couple of things that are on my mind that I just want to pick his brain about. So he'll be coming on in just a few moments. So sit back. Hang tight. Um, but this weekend, also, it's Labor Day weekend. And it's usually a good time for movie theaters. At least in the last couple of years, right, with Labor Day. It used to be like September. They, they wouldn't release anything. But now, every... I want to say that like the last four or five years, there's been like some good titles that have come out and we've had some good crowds. Obviously we're in this pandemic still. So, you know, the, the variable is different now, but the biggest, uh, I think this could be possibly the biggest Labor Day weekend ever. And that's because we have a new Marvel Cinematic Universe movie out. Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings finally is going to be released. Um, this is going to be a theater exclusive. So you won't find this on Disney plus. You won't find it anywhere on demand or anywhere streaming. Uh, it, it'll it'll be an exclusive to the theaters for forty five days. So, I think you know as as we're evolving and as we're accumulating different information each and every day through through this pandemic, uh, we're really going to find out what studios think, uh, at least for the rest of the year going forward. Because if this one performs really well. Then I think that bodes well for the rest of the slate this year. We won't really see any more delays. Although that excludes, you know, day and streamers like the HBO Max deals, like for The Matrix and, you know, Cry Macho with Clint Eastwood, you know, movies like that. Um, but, you know, for movies like Jackass Forever, which are coming from Paramount, which they've given the 45 day window, you know, things like that. So I'm really hoping for a big turnout for Shang-Chi as far as it being part of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, it's not really a sell for me right now, but I'm going to watch it just based on, you know, people's interest in it. I want to see, you know, if Marvel can deliver something that's like so out of the realm. Like it's, I mean, they took a risk with Guardians of the Galaxy, right? But you still had known commodities in those movies, you know, Chris Pratt coming off of Parks and Rec and was in, had been in a couple of Hollywood movies, you know, Zoe Zaldana from Avatar and Star Trek. So you, and then you had voice talents of, of Bradley Cooper and Vin Diesel. So there, there was star power in that. So it wasn't a, so much of a total risk where it's like, man, this could completely backfire. But looking at Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings, while yes, in all, for the most part, in all Asian cast, that's not what worries me. What worries me as far as like with the general audience is like, in terms of like a lot of this Marvel stuff, 
in this next phase going forward for like the next 10 years. It's really going to be out there stuff. And will will general audiences care for the most part? We know the diehards are going to show up this weekend, you know, because they mark out and they like every little thing, right? But is it going to be as globally reaching as a Guardians of the Galaxy or, you know, something like an Ant-Man where, like, you know, the concept of that, like, you know, even 10 years ago would have been like, what? But, you know, Marvel's in this stage now where they can really take creative risks. But my biggest thing is just our audience is going to respond. Do they care enough? Um, but from a business standpoint, for for the theater's sake, like, I really hope this movie over delivers because it, it'll just prove once again that this whole streaming and releasing in theaters on the same day it's not a it's not a viable plan for the future like it's good for those that just want to stream everything at home like but from a business standpoint you know you're going to maximize all your profits being in the theater we're seeing it right now you know free guy uh was released by disney through 20th century studios and it was a theater exclusive and it was a it was a hit you know people came out you know even though it was a theater exclusive so there's still that hunger and there's still that you know, it, it's out there that it's possible for movies to 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 make money, even though it's through one avenue, and that's the best avenue possible the the, the movie theater uh, industry. So, I think I'll make my prediction now on this podcast. Uh, I'm looking at a fifty fifty five million for Shang Chi, which you know is not as strong as like a Black Widow from earlier, but that's a a bigger title with a bigger star. Um, and the only reason I have it that low is just based on the, the unknown uh, of the cast. You know, Aquafina's in there, but, you know, you, you poll like a million people, like how many people actually know who that is, you know, and, and no, no knock on her. Like she's fine in the stuff that she's been in. She's been in some movies, but, you know, is she a well known commodity or am I just that far out of like what's in the pop culture bubble as far as like, far as, like who's popular? Like, for example, music. I don't know. I couldn't tell you who the top five artists now are in, you know, in music. You know, I have my Spotify playlist and what I listen to and my bands that I like to discover on, you know, the indie rock scene, alternative, all that stuff. But I couldn't tell you from a standpoint on, you know, who's the top dog. And who knows? Maybe Aquafina's up there as far as like a celebrity. Maybe they could draw something. Who knows? I don't know. But me personally, from what I'm seeing, like, I don't look at her as a draw. Or any of this cast is a draw, and it's not on them, and it has nothing to do with their race or anything. Like again, we saw what Crazy Rage Asians did. You know, there's you know there's room for everybody and room for all types of cast to make movies. You know, where's my damn all Latino MCU movie? Like, you know, I'm still waiting on that, but that's another topic for another time. But more just based on the subject matter and the fact that. Marvel's going to start to really go out there with its properties because, you know, they're going to introduce the multiverse, which I'm going to, you know, dive into that with Brandon and I'm going to re-talk about the Spider-Man trailer. I know I did that on my last pod, but I want to get his perspective being a huge Spider-Man fan and maybe he can fill me in on some of the gaps there because there's a lot of stuff in there that's so out of whack and doesn't make sense to me. And hopefully he can put that into perspective for me. Um, but yeah, that's my whole uncertainty with with these Marvel movies going forward, at least with the unknown properties like this one and Eternals coming up in November. But, you know, I, I don't worry about Black Panther two, you know, Captain Marvel, the next one, whatever it's going to be called. I think it's the Marvels, you know, guardians three, of course, the next Thor movie, which is going to be tremendously huge. 
I, I'm not worried about that because we've all they they've all earned their keep, right? They were established, and you know Marvel took a risk about ten, eleven years ago with with Iron Man, even though Robert Downey Jr. was a known actor. But again, it wasn't that big of a risk. Like I know people are. You know, try and do revisionist history with that. But, you know, I knew Robert Downey Jr. from a long time ago. If you're a, a real film guy and, you know, follow all this stuff, you know, he's not some unknown that was just out of nowhere. It was a guy on the rebound. Could he come back after all the, the, the dealings he had been with, you know, with drugs and all that stuff? And I know he's put that behind him and good for him. But that was the risk. It wasn't like, oh, my God, can Robert Downey Jr. carry a movie? We've seen him in stuff, plenty of stuff before Marvel. So... Uh, all these Marvel diehards that want to do revisionist history on that, like, settle down. So anyways, yes, Shang-Chi and the Legend of the, the Ten Rings opens this weekend. My prediction, around 50 to $55 million. If it does higher, great. If it has legs, great. The reviews early are, you know, positive, but that's mostly the case for all Marvel movies. So we'll see, and hopefully it has a staying power. Because we didn't have that with Black Widow, but but again, I attribute that to you know the the streaming part of it, but also piracy. You know, because if things go online, you know those hackers and piraters, they I don't know how they do it, but that that's a huge reason we saw a lot of these movies drop off in the summer that had that day in and streaming. And you know, I found out a lot of good information from from my company on that stuff from them visiting CinemaCon and and all that stuff. So you know, movies like A Quiet Place Part Two. That had a theater only exclusivity. That movie was harder to pirate. Like you didn't see it online till like almost like a month after. So, I'm just saying. So this bodes well for us for Shang Chi. I'm expecting a huge weekend, but we'll see if the audience is going to tune into that. That you know that just out there material that Marvel's going to put out for us going forward. But that's my opening little rant there. Let's take a quick break. And when we come back, Brandon McLaughlin joins the show. As we preview AEW's All Out. This is Palace Off the Top Rope. We'll be right back. Those who came before us. Who made us who we are today. A legacy. Of warriors. Everything you need is already inside of you. There's no going back. You're ready, Shang-Chi. All of the training, all of the sacrifice. No one can hide forever. It's time to show the world who I really am. Hell yeah. Shang-Chi, really PG-13. Two weeks ago, you were parking cars, and you want me to believe you're now saving the world. Yeah. In theater September 3rd. All right, folks, welcome back to the show. And in the house today, a returning Brandon McLaughlin. What's up, buddy? The last time uh, you were on this show, uh, it was in the spinoff. It was away from here on Terminator 2. And I think that's been like one of my favorite episodes I've done so far that... It, it, it was so fun and so good that I haven't returned back yet with new episodes on that. So I got to figure out when I'm going to come back and, and start that show again, at least for this year. Because I think T2 is just amazing and good job on that. And welcome back. Always, always, uh, always happy to be here. And as always, thank you so much for having me on. Uh, I appreciate that. Um, I, I actually concur. Uh, I was thinking for a while 
when I would try to want to be on another episode. And I know we haven't talked wrestling in a hot minute, so I kind of figured, you know, maybe we'll maybe we'll get back to it. I mean, it's kind of hard to follow in terms of your spinoff series, what could arguably be the biggest podcast of the summer now that uh, a <laughs> yeah. SummerSlam is in our rearview mirror. Um, but was super, super excited about that episode that we did. And usually I, I'm pretty hard on myself. If, if I'm ever on an episode of this podcast uh, that you have me on, I'll go back and just kind of nitpick at things. And I really feel going back and listening to that episode, there really wasn't a whole lot more that I could have said. Probably. I feel like I got everything out there that needed to be put out there and made some good points. And so um, hopefully we can uh, run it back and have a similar performance today. For sure. Uh, I'm proud of that episode, folks. You can always check that one out on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Podbean, wherever you get your podcasts. It's it's a, it's a really fun episode, and again, we're we're still in ninety ninety, or we're still in celebrating ninety one. So you can always, you know, watch that one back and check out that pod. But today, uh, it's an all wrestling pod, uh, at least towards the very end. Got a couple of things to ask Brandon on that I wanted to talk to him specifically. I need answers, damn it! But we'll save that for the end. That's that's your teaser right there. Um, big week, really big week in professional wrestling. Um, we're seeing the return of CM Punk this Sunday at AEW's All Out to in-ring action. We've seen him return to television. And before we get into any of all that, uh, Brandon, I wanted to ask you your thoughts on just the return of CM Punk at that Rampage show on August 20th. Where you were at, how you were feeling, like just overall, just whatever you want to say about that 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 debut, just let it all out. I, I tell Pun you. intended. Ah, see what you did there. I tell you what, man, uh, I can't really put into enough words. There aren't enough positive adjectives that could really describe, uh, what we all experienced, uh, but a couple of short weeks ago on Friday when he made his debut. Um, I'll, I'll tell you a, a little funny little story. So last week you had actually dropped, uh, I believe it was your, uh, the best in the world episode, which was one of the most recent episodes right. of this podcast. And I listen to these podcasts when I'm at work and I get up super early morning. I have my energy drink and usually first thing in the morning when I'm at work tends to kind of drag. I don't kind of pick up until I get a rhythm like an hour or two into work. And I turned on that podcast and I just listened to it all the way through. And the intro was, of course, that whole segment of just the start of the show where everybody's already losing their mind and then his music hits and then people just go even more ballistic. And it's like, man, when when you hear that, when you see it, it, it kind of makes you get a second win because you just think like, man, I can only imagine what that feeling must be like just in your own hometown and just people chanting your name and being so over. Uh, another close similar to that would be Chris Jericho having the audience acapella yes, seeing his theme song was... to the ring would be a close second to that mm-hmm. to that moment. But it's super cool that things like that happen. And uh, as wrestling fans, we get to experience that. I was at the gym when... When this was all going down live, uh, thankfully, they actually had TNT on one of the televisions, so I just so happened to look up at the right time, and I caught a glimpse of CM Punk actually walking out and making his entrance to AEW for the first time. I legit yelped. Like, <laughs> I, I popped so hard in the middle of, of a gym with a bunch of people working out. I just felt all of these eyes looking at me like, what is this guy's problem? And I just I realized <laughs> at that point, I was like, oh, yeah, I'm in public. I can't be a total mark just yet, but... Um, 
felt so many emotions, uh, all of them good, mainly super excited that we, we finally got CM Punk back in the world of wrestling and that he gets to do what he loves. And now he's in a better place where he, he gets to enjoy himself. He, he gets to, to really be free and, and be his own creator and, and really just kind of set his own destiny and, and set things right uh, that weren't really going for him uh, way back when with the WWE. Can you explain that void a little bit? Like when he left WWE, did did that kind of suck the wind out of your sails? I said that that happened for me. As you know, we still watch the product regardless because we were still fans. But he really left like a huge void. Where like, man, what this guy could have been, even though he was like at the top for a bit during that final run in WWE. Um, but I feel like there was still like a lot left on the table for him to accomplish. And us selfishly as fans, we want to see that, but. You know, having him explain about, you know, getting right mentally and all that stuff like that, that stuff really hit home with me just because I had to kind of do my own, like, you know, just finding my way back after like being down so low. So I totally like understood him being away so long. And, you know, a part of me never thought like, I don't, there's no way he hates this thing completely. Like, I think he just needs a clean break for a while. So I I don't know. What were your, what are your thoughts on him? Like, as far as like the void that he left after leaving WWE, did it affect you? Like, because he's a big part of it, I think, of this new generation that has gone forward in fandom for wrestling. Yeah, absolutely. And um, you know, if if you had if we were talking about this seven years ago when when it actually was going down, there might have been a little bit of a different response. Uh, it did hit really close to home to me because, as you had said, as a fan, it would have been really cool and awesome to see. Uh, how things could have progressed and how he could have moved forward. Uh, that being said, in hindsight, because at the time we didn't actually know it until he came on record with Colt Cabana and did that yeah. whole podcast. Uh, the podcast heard around the world is what I like to call it. But, right. um, uh, you know, we didn't realize it at the time that he was actually fighting a lot of battles, especially with his physical health and, of course, how, how beat up and mangled that he was. Um, and wrestling is not an easy sport, even if it's sports entertainment wrestling like WWE or AEW, but the bumps are still real. So you have that, you're always going to have that wear and tear on your body as, as a wrestler, but he was just experiencing so much more as he went on the record to state. So in hindsight, it was kind of, I guess, in a way, a blessing in disguise that he made that just made that decision for himself so that he can get better. But of course, like I said, we didn't know that at the time, so it still yeah. it still hit pretty heavy. Um, I think, thankfully for me, uh, in 2014, we were already starting to see the emergence of like the Shield, and I was right. already slowly becoming a like a Seth Rollins fan, like I yeah. am now. So I kind of had that to fall back on, thankfully, and I got to see what Seth Rollins could become over over the course of the past seven years, which is really great and awesome for me. Uh, but in terms of CM Punk, yeah, it was just really unfortunate and, and really hit close to home. Um, we're going to talk a lot of CM Punk, obviously, because he is, I think, in my opinion, going to headline this show on Sunday. I, I know he's not in a title match, but he himself is the actual draw uh, of AEW right now, as we've seen in the ratings. Like, I don't know if you saw the ratings for Rampage. They drew over like 1 million in that time slot that they're in. That just goes to show you the intrigue, uh, not just in the wrestling world. Like, there was people, like, you know, you were hearing talk on... ESPN, mm-hmm. you know, NFL Network was talking about it. Yep. Like, it's just, it's blowing up. Like, he is that star that AEW, like, 
has been waiting to get. Right. So, Wasn't it like something something gross, like 2.23 million or something like that was the total number for that episode? Probably something. If you look in total, like with DVR and all that stuff, I'm sure like the numbers like skyrocketed. But, you know, they're they're gaining on WWE as far as like in the demos and all that. And I know people on the internet like to argue about that stuff, but it really is like an important number in terms of like audience uh, participation in which audience you're trying to attract and mm-hmm. that 18 to 49 is like the most important number and AEW's hitting on those numbers like on all cylinders and CM Punk hasn't even wrestled a match yet so once he really gets into storylines then I think it, and if they execute it properly which given their short history like we have no reason to doubt them right now um, that is just going to elevate them even more um, but more on CM Punk later on the show and in our rundown of All Out, uh, I want to talk a little bit WWE uh, just because I haven't really gotten your thoughts on any of this stuff that's gone down. We just passed SummerSlam, which was it was a show. Um, yeah. It was in a nice stadium with a big crowd, and, you know, WWE's the top dog. We get it. You know, it was, I think, built as one of their most successful SummerSlams as far as, like, revenue and all that stuff. Like, it was, like, one of the most successful summer slams ever um but talking about your love for guys like seth rollins what were your thoughts coming out of his match with edge that being like a type of dream matchup did that live up to your expectations or i don't even know if you've seen it so and 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 then some uh, the the story that was being told in that match just that is that is storytelling the right way like why can you not be more consistent like with that with everybody WWE, right exactly yeah and they didn't. They didn't do anything super over the top. They didn't do anything fancy. They didn't have to get too crazy with it. It wasn't like any kind of uh, gimmick match. They didn't fight in a cage. It wasn't like a no holds barred. It was just like a straight up wrestling match. And, and they could have done something silly, like you know, get Beth Phoenix involved, eye for an eye or something. You know, something silly like that. No, it's just two guys with a similar career path. And I even loved one of the promos that Seth Rollins did where he showcase that package where like oh damn like edge and rollins really have a similar like anything career. you can do i can do better yeah, kind yeah, of yeah. thing. exactly i love that um and, and even the the four-year-old five-year-old child in me got really giddy because they they paid homage to the to the brood entrance with with edge <laughs> and so i just got i kind of got flashbacks and i got chills when i watched that it was it was incredible the match was everything that I wanted it to be, and then some. Even if Rollins didn't go over, it was still super cool to see Edge mm. just go over and and continue this run that he's been on since his return back in 2020. Uh, even though he's not on TV or he hasn't been on TV very consistently, but um, it was really fun match to watch. I that was for me that was probably the match of the night for yeah. for that card. Oh, for sure. Um, whatever happens with. I know they're going to do the draft again in October, and I don't know how much they're going to reshuffle the the rosters, but I hope they come back to that at some point because I would love to see them go at it again. Um, you know, I, there's rumblings that Edge might go to Raw, and you know who knows what's going to happen with Rollins. I'm sure he's going to stay on SmackDown. Becky Lynch, you know, I'm sure they're going to keep them together. Um, but yeah, I do hope that they do return to that match at some point. And speaking of Becky Lynch, um, we saw the return of her. And Brock Lesnar, and both of these were not planned, so how much do you attribute that to reaction to CM Punk, and how much of it do you attribute to, at least in the women's title match, whatever's going on with Sasha Banks, like I don't know, I still don't know what the situation is with that, but what are your thoughts on 
both the returns and a and the big one how they handled Becky Lynch. Uh, yeah, I pretty much give all 100% credit to that being very reactionary to what's been going on. They they needed a way to to kind of put their own foot stamp back into the world of pro wrestling. Yeah. So by any means, however they could do that, I feel is is kind of what led them to that decision of of you know trying to to pull the trigger on on both of these individuals coming back and Brock Lesnar, regardless of how you feel about him as as a wrestling fan Brock Lesnar is always going to be a draw mm-hmm. um he's a he's a big household name not just in terms of wrestling but of course you know him in the sp- uh, sports world he's a former pro football player and then of course you know him uh from his run in the UFC so he's always going to make headlines no matter where he goes i mean he's just a freak of an athlete too look at how big and athletic he is uh Becky Lynch was super stoked for as far as how it all played out i mean is is the women's division the best that it could have been without her? Absolutely not. I think she was that one. We could both agree she was that one missing yeah, yeah. component that, sure. that was really going to, you know, take it to that next level and, and, and take it to the top and keep it at the top. But I didn't hate Bianca Belair as, as the champion. And I thought Bianca Belair was doing a phenomenal job, mm-hmm. especially with the way that you were booking her throughout this entire year. You had her go over in the Rumble. And you had this video package set up for her at WrestleMania. She main evented WrestleMania for the women's championship uh, match on night one, and she went over. You even had uh, the, the after after the uh, after SummerSlam, you had the uh, the WWE 24 documentary. You had two mm-hmm. separate documentaries where it was like night one and night two for for this year's WrestleMania. Yeah. You had this like. Uh, again, you had another one of these big video packages for her, just kind of telling her uh, story on on coming up and how she got into the wrestling business and how she fell in love with it and, and everything else that happened in between from her childhood, uh, so on and so forth. So it's you put so much investment into her as a talent to have her drop the belt in like six seconds, if mm-hmm. that. And I'm not... You know, it, the story's gonna write itself. We're gonna see how it plays out. I know that there's two sides to this coin. There's, there are people who are upset about it and there are people who are just like, you know, just, just let it play out. Just let it mm-hmm. breathe. Like, let, let them tell the story. Let, let's see what happens. We've already seen this past SmackDown that she won the, the fatal four way. Uh, so she's already back in the number one contender spot. She's already gonna challenge for the title again. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, I mean, the issue with me doesn't lie with her. It doesn't even lie with her dropping the belt to Becky. It's just a matter of how it how it kind of played out. Yeah. Like there was, I, I feel like there was really no need for that. Even if even if she was going to go over in the match, at least have an actual match. Like like give you us think, something. Like would you think people would have not have been as mad if like let's say they went. 10 15 minutes and becky went over would it be whatever like yeah if, absolutely is that really more more the anger is or is it because they took the belt off her like i'm, I'm trying to figure out where the where the real anger is coming from is it the fact that the match wasn't delivered which they're going to give us at some point yeah um i mean i'm okay with it only because from where they're from their standpoint where they're going with it becky lynch is supposedly going to be a heel now which I mean, good luck with that. <laughs> they tried this in two years ago with with Charlotte Flair, and mm-hmm. we all saw what happened there. That's the reason why we have the man today. Um, but like, I'm still an old school like wrestling fan, and I don't. I, I kind of see like a lot of impatient with fans today. Like, I love when the babyface chases the title, 
and I brought this up on Fightful or Wrestling Observer with one of the girls, Denise Salcedo. She's got a big following, and and I asked her on the uh, on the internet on her super chat. I was like, what, "What's wrong? What's so wrong with a baby face chasing the title? Like, look at Steve Austin in '98. What you named about Bianca Belair—that's the same route that Steve Austin went through. Won the Rumble, won at Mania, had this title run through the summer, and then he lost it. Like I think it was at a September pay per view." And he had to go through obstacle, through obstacle, through obstacle, through obstacle until he eventually won the title back at the following WrestleMania. But there was that long chase and it paid off. And, I mean, I know we can't trust WWE for long-term storytelling, but I'm not worried about Bianca Belair because of the division. Mm. Like, this is I don't think this is going to be a situation where it's like Kofi Kingston where, like, he completely got forgotten about and got put back into the spot he was in. Because the women's division's much smaller, but also Bianca Belair, what she has going for her is she has personality, she can talk, and not, I mean, and of course the wrestling part of it, but she's the whole package. So I'm not worried for her. Um, and I don't know, I'm just trying to see if fans are just mad because they didn't give us the match, or is it because they actually took the belt off her? So I don't know. That's where I'm trying to figure it out. It depends on who you're talking to, I guess. It, it depends on, on your audience and who you're asking this question to. Speaking personally, I, again, there's, there's nothing wrong with, as, as you had stated, you know, to your point, there's nothing wrong with the baby face chasing the championship. There's nothing wrong if Bianca Belair had dropped it to Becky Lynch that night. I think the execution of it is what upsets me and is probably what upsets a lot of people. Um, there's well, nothing me- wrong with Becky. It, now, if it was like, I, I mean, I don't, this is probably a bad example, but I mean, let's say if, if, if you had put Charlotte Flair in Becky Lynch's position oh. and, and, and that, and Charlotte Flair had done what Becky Lynch did. I think the, the that, uproar would have been. Yeah. <laughs> you would have, we'd be having a different conversation. I, I guarantee you that would have soured just everybody, but because it was Becky Lynch, people are going to have a warmer reception to it and it's mm-hmm. not going to be seen so much as a bad thing but it still would have been nice to have at least somewhat of a match and not just two moves and done but are you going to like circle back to this let's say by survivor series or whatever the rumble let's say she wins the title back like will you still look back and be like well they didn't have to do it this way but we still got to what we were going to get anyway like she's she chased the title and she got it back Will you look back in hindsight and be like, okay, I can live with the way that, how that went down, considering how the story went? Considering how the story went in hindsight, it probably isn't going to make, uh, much of a difference. It's still a, it's still a, an anomaly of a bump in the road Mm. for what it is right now, like in the, in the proximity of the situation, just because of, just because of recency and, and how people are still kind of stewing over it. Um, like I said, the stories are going to write themselves. It's, yeah. it's going to be, it's going to be a good, long, ongoing feud. And, and they're definitely two talented women that are not only good, uh, in the ring, but on the mic. And they can definitely cut promos, hella good promos on each other, uh, and tell an amazing story. So I think, again, just, just the recency of it is probably what's, what's getting everybody so worked up. Yeah. Um, in hindsight, I think people are still going to look back on it and disagree with it, but it's not either way. It's not going to be yeah. that big of a deal, I guess. Because right. I, I just look at it like because Becky coming back is not, she's not like a, a Carmella coming back. Like she's a huge ass superstar. Yeah, like, for sure. She's like on a Rock Austin level in terms of the way WWE views her. Like she's mm-hmm. on that stratosphere. So 
and if you're looking at it through storyline kayfabe, like, yeah, why wouldn't Bianca like lose in that quick of fashion? Because a like that's a huge ass star that you're gonna face. No prep. Yeah, you would get like wrecked and you know just discombobulated, and you know she takes you out like real quickly because she's like that huge of a superstar. It would be like. You know, let's say Adam Hangman Page was a champion for the couple of months, whatever. Fans are behind him. It's great. Let's say CM Punk makes his return and squashes Hangman in, in 16, 20 seconds or whatever. Like, you shouldn't be mad because that CM Punk's that type of, like, level of superstar. And especially if you continue to play the story where Hangman can chase him or whatever, you know. You know what I mean. Yeah, I, I get what you mean. Uh, I, I think at the same time, too, just to kind of counter that point, uh, you know, Bianca Belair is not no nobody either. Right. You know, she, she's been built. I mean, she's not quite at the caliber of stardom as, as Becky Lynch is, but it's not like, let's say if uh, for all intents and purposes, if like Selena Vega was the champion at the right. time. Or, and a then, Nick, or a Nikki ASA. Or a Nikki. Like, no, yeah, no, even, no offense, even, no offense. yeah, exactly. Like either one of those two, if they were champions and then you had Becky come out and squash them, is it still, is it still bad? Should they still have done it? I don't think so, but it wouldn't have been as impactful as somebody like Bianca Belair, especially, you know, kind of going back to my previous statements of how, you were putting a lot of investment into building her up and into making her into the star that she is. And she's got incredible personality and, and talent in and out of the ring. She's an amazing superstar and athlete. Mm-hmm. She's she's not a nobody. So yeah, no, no, I agree. I, 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 I definitely think that, yeah, it, it, in shock value, it it works, but... I, th- I think that even a little, even even like a little more of like a five minute match, yeah. you know, just just put up some sort of a fight. But in two moves and done, I, I don't think was the right move. And again, I'm not disagreeing with taking the belt off of Bianca Belair and giving it to Becky. It's just the execution. Yeah. Um, and don't get me wrong, folks, and this includes you too, Brandon. Like if if WWE botches this, which we have proof that they can easily botch this. Oh, for sure. There's just too much evidence of the fact. I'll totally come back on this pod and say how wrong I was. It's like it completely messes up. And the biggest thing also in this whole thing is like with everything, like you said, with everything going on right now in the entire stratosphere of pro wrestling, mm-hmm. like why would you choose now to make Becky Lynch a heel or if this was her own personal decision, whatever, even from her standpoint, like someone should get in her ear and say like, hey, this is. This is a bad idea. Like, you're kind of like one of the best things WWE had for, like, that came out of this recent era where it's, like, you're super over. Your merchandise sales are probably through the roof. Like, if it's a creative thing, like, challenge, like you want to challenge yourself and think you could be, like, this big heel, cool. But you got to think, like, business-wise, too. Like, you want to keep those viewers. And I always think back to Stone Cold Steve Austin in 2001 at WrestleMania X7. Mm-hmm. Like, he turned heel, but, like, if you look back on it, like, it was a bad business move because ratings starting to decline. People turned off the product. Nobody wanted to see Stone Cold as a coward heel. Like, that's not who he was. And that's the reason why we grew to love Becky Lynch because she was, like, kind of like the female version of that. Like, this, I'm going to, you know, fight you and I don't give a damn about anybody. If if she's going to do this heel character and if she turns into, like, this coward or whatever, I think that's going to turn a lot of people off. And also going to turn off viewers like this past weekend or of smackdown drew 2.25 million that's pretty high like 
considering like there's no more John Cena, but yeah. the draw right now is her. Mm-hmm. But if you go the route of heel and you turn her into that to that character, again, we don't know what it's going to be yet, but if she's like this coward heel that doesn't like to face challenges or whatever, like you're going to turn off your audience. Like history is going to repeat itself and they're already on a downslide as it is with AEW on the rise, but I just don't see if if it's her decision, somebody's got to be in her ear be like, "Hey, May we wait we may want to rethink this. I don't know. What are your thoughts? I I have a couple of thoughts on that. Um and I think we've talked about it on one of the WrestleMania podcasts, if not both of them. It may have been the first WrestleMania podcast we did together, but uh we talked about that mania where you saw the heel turn of, of Austin when he turned on the rock and I think what what soured that heel turn and in hindsight the reason why it was such a bad business decision is because Stone Cold made himself into what he was by being the rebel and, and being very defiant to authority and his long ongoing storybook feud with Vince McMahon. Yeah. And now you have him, you know, basically being Vince McMahon's boy and then their buddy buddy, yeah. which didn't really make much sense. Um, if Becky Lynch is going to turn heel and if, if that is her, if that is her decision, I would rather it happen organically and, and done the right way. Um, rather than having WWE turn her heel the way that they want to do it. So if they do it in a sense, kind of like a, a Steve, I don't know how you would compare it to Steve Austin scenario where it was just, it's kind of like one of those moves that doesn't really make much sense. Mm. That would be the bad thing. At the same token, I'm also thinking of somebody that we're probably going to talk about in length today. Uh, we're going, we're going. Doc, Dr. Britt yep, Baker. That's where I'm going. And, and I don't know about you, but I, I kind of feel she's she's up there at that caliber of character where with with Britt Baker DMD, and even though technically she's she's a heel, no one's really gonna boo her. So even a heel Becky would probably be super over with the audience if she's a heel like that. Because the thing what makes Britt Baker awesome is that she can diss whoever. Like she doesn't have to get the somebody mentioned this on a show like that cheap heat where she's got to like talk down the audience or make fun of the town. Mm-hmm. But if she's making fun of whatever the wrestler is, whether it be a Bianca Belair or a Carmella or a you know Charlotte Flair, whatever, the dynamic will work with whatever wrestler it is because that's just her character. She just doesn't give a damn about anybody. She's the best. She can call herself the goat or whatever. Yeah. If they go that route, okay, I'll be fine with it. But if it again, if it's that Steve Austin type, two thousand one, where she's like a coward. And, yeah. Mm-hmm. Ugh. Like, no, I agree. And bad maybe. Idea. Maybe that's the parallel I was looking for. Maybe that's the analogy I was looking for where it's it's a heel turn that doesn't make sense, where it, do, it just doesn't fit what she's been building up to as a character and then just completely goes 180. So, mm-hmm. again, like Steve Austin and his feud with Vince McMahon and, and being very anti-authority and now he's mm-hmm. now he's with the authority or now he's Vince McMahon's buddy. It just it, it didn't really make a whole lot of sense. Um, so that's that's probably the the turn I was looking for if, if they wanted to go that route and she was just super cowardly. But if she was like, even the, even the emergence of the man, like the 2018 uh, version of Becky Lynch, where she just turned on, on Charlotte, I think it was at the hell in this. No, it wasn't the hell in a cell pay-per-view. I think it was the pay-per-view before that. It was uh, a um, SummerSlam. That's where she, that's where the huge mm-hmm. yeah, where pop she, happened. Yeah. Where she like completely just destroys Charlotte flair that heel Becky, I think could work. Yeah. Okay. All right. That'll that'll be interesting. Um, So, yeah, I wanted to get your thoughts on that. Um, Those are the biggest things coming out of WWE. And, again, 
it's TBD to see how that's going to play out. Um, I didn't like that whole, hey, let's fight, and Becky's just like, nah, and then they walked away. I was like, no, that's not what I want. Like, I would rather... I would rather have that played out, her being like, nah, and then Bianca turned her back and she, like, beats her ass anyway, you know, instead yeah. of just, like, ducking away, like, no, I'm going to beat you, but my way. But we'll see. I mean, I'm going to give I'm gonna give them the benefit of the doubt with Becky. Anything else, like, I don't trust them in anything, but Becky, I feel like she could make it work. I, I feel like she's going to have creative input. Like, it's, she's not going to be just, like, a, I'm going to do everything that you want me to do, like... She'll have blowback if she doesn't like an idea. Mm-hmm. Hopefully. Um, do you want to get into All Out already? Or do you, is there anything else you wanted to talk about um, wrestling-wise outside of AEW? I, I guess I guess I'll, I'll throw in this one little tidbit because why not? So what if – because I'm, I'm thinking of like, you know, we all know her relationship with, with Seth. And I, I'm thinking about uh, – thinking back to like – 2015 heel Seth Rollins, the architect, uh, yeah, with the, with the minions, the mm-hmm. J&J with with J and J security. So I'm thinking like she turns the man character into like, oh, I'm the man. Like I have people to do my bidding for me, and she oh, has her own stable? like personal security team of, of like women, quote unquote. Like I'm always fan of stables. So. How would how would how would you react to to something like that if if that's the direction they wanted to take her heel character? If it's like uh, something like that, like an architect with a little. The security team and whatever. I'm cool with that because that's like because the Steve Austin heel turn like didn't have any of that. It was just him like mm-hmm. hiding behind Vince McMahon. But if he, if she's got like a little team and little minions where she could be like a fun, like you know like a have like a rebel where she's like just pokes fun like oh here's a geek that I have by my side but yeah does my bidding. I'm cool with that also. So no, I, I'm totally for that for sure. Was ran- my my last little random thought. Uh, other than that, I'm I'm ready to to do a little deep dive here into to this Sunday's uh, all out event. If you are, I am for sure. Let's uh, yeah. So this is uh, coming to us Sunday uh, from. Uh, it's not exactly Chicago, but it's right on the little outskirts of it. Uh, they're holding three events there this week. So Dynamite's going to be there Wednesday. They'll have Rampage there on Friday, which I think they're taping on Wednesday. It's not going to be live. And then, of course, the all-out pay-per-view Sunday. And as we're recording this on a Tuesday, I believe all the matches are set for this card. If they're missing anything, oh well. But for the most part, we have the entire card almost set up for us. There's 10 matches. That's including what's probably going to be on the the buy-in. For those of you that don't know the AEW jargon, that's the pre-show. Um I guess we can start there. That's going to be the the 21-woman Casino Battle Royale where the winner will gain a shot at the AEW Women's World title. Uh, Some of the names involved here, uh, Nyla Rose, Thunder Rosa, The Bunny, Big Swole, Julia Hart of the Varsity uh, Blondes, which they're growing on me, Uh, Ty Conti, uh, like her as well. Uh, Diamante, Penelope Ford, Red Velvet, Hikaru Shida, Imi Sakura, Jade Cargill, and another nine women to be announced. Um, where do you want to start with this? Any favorites? Any Anybody that, that you like that, that's on the up and coming? So I have, with the exception of 
just kind of taking a look at the card of, of the names that we already have confirmed and, and not the ones that are, you know, to be announced. I already have a, a few picks with this one. Mm. Um, I really enjoy matches like these. Uh, they, they tend to do a lot of really good interactive spots in between. Uh, and I've, we've seen it in the past with the men's. Um, my personal favorite, I would really like to see Penelope Ford go over because I've, I've stated on this podcast before. I think we were doing Fighter Fest last year. Yeah. Uh, and I talked about, sung the praises of, of Penelope Ford and how I feel. And I really like how I'm starting to see where she, I feel like she's really got some good footing underneath her. Not 100% there yet, but she's got a good footing of who she is and who her character is. And I know that she's still running with uh, Kip Sabian. But also, I could be wrong. They're they're kind of doing their own thing. I feel like they're yeah, yeah. two of the only people on the roster that aren't part of like some bigger faction just to to shadow uh, some WCW uh, Attitude Era type legend. Mm-hmm. And I and I really respect that. I appreciate that. Um, and not only does she have the look, but she has the talent. She's athletic as all hell. Um, and we saw, I think this past episode of, I want to say it was Rampage where it was Ty Conti versus, uh, the bunny. And then yeah. she came out with interference and you kind of saw that alliance. There was really no actual storytelling to that alliance. So when you have two heels that align themselves like that, sometimes it could work if they're planning on forming mm-hmm. a tag team. Other than that, you could already tell, especially with the battle royal, it's every man for her, uh, every woman for herself. Uh, so somebody's gonna turn on on somebody here, but I'd I'd really like to see her get get over and and, and get a win and and challenge for that that championship with Bit, uh, Britt Baker. And I don't necessarily, if that were to happen hypothetically, I don't necessarily see Penelope Ford going over Britt Baker, but working with but Britt hey, Baker like, yeah. will kind of help embellish her and and really kind of kind of take her to the next level, which would be really cool to see. Um, I think uh, I think one of the obvious picks here for me would be Big Swole. Mm-hmm. And it would be another one of those long-term storytellings because they've had a they've had a feud in the past, and I think this was when uh, Britt Baker DMD was doing her her role model gimmick, but she mm-hmm. was she was in the wheelchair at the time. Uh, but now they can they can clash it out for the uh, you know for the championship. So that would be that would be one of the obvious picks for me. Now what I'm going to go with, and I'm making an awfully bold decision here. Is I'm gonna actually go with the unknown mm-hmm. with with one of the women that we don't know that haven't been listed off in the in the 21 women battle royal. Uh, when I was going through and, and looking at this card last night, according to Bleacher Report, uh, there are rumors that a Ruby Soho, formerly known as Ruby Riot from the WWE, could potentially be mm-hmm. making her debut in this match. Um, and we've seen that uh, that's actually how uh, Hangman Page made his debut in the 2019 inaugural Double or Nothing event. Uh, yeah, yeah. For the audience that doesn't really know, whenever they have these casino battle royales, there's always like a uh, kind of like a Joker wild card pick that's like a super surprise entrant. And I think that's that's where they're going to pull her her card, and that's who's going to debut. I could see her going over and winning this match. That's that's what I'm going to go with. Um, one of the, I mean, AEW, they're not a perfect organization. I, I want to say like, as much as I do love everything that they're doing for the most part, I got to say they could be doing a hell of a lot better with their women's division and they really need to start signing women and whether it be from, you know, whoever WWE lets go or, you know, using more of that forbidden door. Like I'm hoping to see some impact women show Mm -hmm. up in this battle Royal, like a Chelsea green or, uh, 
what's her name? Could even be the champion from Impact, Dion, the virtuosa, uh, Diana Peruzza. Peruzza? She's great. Uh, she's got, she's doing her own little belt collecting. Um, something like that. I don't think she would be in this match, but at some point I want to see her cross over because they really need to start building that women's division because, you know, right now it's Britt Baker at the very top and like, Mm -hmm. then there's just everybody else. But if, if we go with your pick, like a Ruby Soho comes, she has that credibility from WWE where, you know, she wasn't on top over there, but, you know, she's got that presence. She's a name. Right. And that's right now what, what AEW's women division needs now is more star power. They need more eyes on the product. Um, I don't know if I'm going to go with her as a winning the thing. I guess if I'm going to be out there, I mean, I just, I would love to see, like, a Julia Hart win it just because nobody would expect anything out of her. I know she's still super green, but it would nice be nice to see somebody get built off of it. Um, Thunder Rosa would be obvious, also be the obvious choice, but I know AEW has a ranking system, so yeah. I think she's going to get a title shot regardless. Down the line, I don't know the exact numbers, like whether she's you know thirteen and one or, or whatever, but she's high up there in the ranking. So Thunder Rosa. It doesn't need this win to to get the championship match. I think she'll get it down the line eventually. This is more kind of like a kind of like their version of the Money in the Bank a, a little bit mixed in with a Royal Rumble type something like that. Yeah, to that yeah exactly like a guaranteed shot. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll just go out there, Julia Hart. You're gonna go Ruby Soho. I'm going Ruby Soho. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I again I have my personal like sentimental vote, but mm-hmm. I don't really see that playing out the way that I wanted to. So um, if it's not gonna be like a like I said, if it's not going to be like a big swole, then I'm, I'm going to go with the I'm going to go with my wild card, and I'm going to I'm going to pick Ruby Soho to go over. But overall, I want this to be a good showing for the women's division. So and more the Forbidden Door. Like, don't let it just be the guys. Like, bring the women over. Uh, Jordan Grace from, is another one from Impact. That's like I would love to see her come and you know tussle with these people. But we'll, we'll see what happens there. Uh, let's move on. Next match. I mean, it's it's a little out there, but okay, I guess. It's John Moxley versus Satoshi Kojima. Mm-hmm. He's from New Japan New Pro Japan, Wrestling. yeah. He's one of those New I, Japan deathmatch kind of guys. I don't know. Guys. I'm not even going to pretend. Like, I, as much of a diehard wrestling fan as I am, like, I don't pretend I know it all. Like, I know some people from New Japan Pro Wrestling. I know this guy's a little older, right? He's yep. one of those veterans. Yes. Um, but John Moxley's a good promo. He's built it up good on the these couple episodes of dynamite where he's talked about like everybody's ducking him from new japan uh, including tanashi i think is Mm -hmm. who he's mainly referencing but um as far as like a winner for this match i mean i guess moxie i don't know why you would have him lose like he he lost a big match in uh the dynamite that i went to where he faced lance archer for the oh for the uh the the iwgp united states heavyweight championship so he had his big loss already and it didn't hurt him because he's you know it's john moxley but he needs another win to just kind of keep him on that level. So I'm going to go with him. And I don't know how the match is going to be. I don't know the styles. Your thoughts? Yeah, this is going to be – so is, this is not uh, – I don't know if it says it on there. Is this going to be just a straight one-on-one or is this going to be like a death match kind of thing? No, it's a, just a singles match. I think uh, – I, I don't see any reason for Moxley to not go over either, um, especially because we're talking about a former AEW heavyweight champion. And then, of course, he just dropped the belt to, to Lance Archer. Um, I, I see the way that this plays out is he's probably gonna, this is gonna be one of those deals where he, he might be underestimate, uh, underestimating his opponent. Mm-hmm. And 
he's gonna actually he's gonna absolutely go through the ringer with him and and it's gonna be like a flat out just good wrestling match almost like a fight kind of um but it's gonna come down to the wire i think for moxley moxley i think is still gonna get the get the rub um yeah, Satoshi, the legend in Japan, uh, one of the big, I think, deathmatch guys that he looks oh, up okay. to. So, um, I think there's some, some history there, but, uh, other than that, should be a good match. If, if it's not, if it's not too gimmicky, if it's just going to be a straight up wrestling match, I, I see John Moxley going over as well. Um, the one thing I didn't mention was, I know AEW doesn't really do schmas finishes or distractions or whatever, but do you see like somebody else from New Japan popping up maybe at the end of the match, like, showing up on the stage or whatever ready to confront moxley like i feel like this is his next set of storylines is you know combating those people at new japan like or do you feel like this is a one and done and then he gets back into you know somebody on the aew roster i could see either that happening or i could see like this could just play out the way that it needs to and and just finishes there and then maybe on the next episode of dynamite uh you could put john moxley in a match with i don't know Eddie Kingston or whoever, like uh, who's the the librarian? Uh, oh, the Peter Avalon. Yeah, put put him put him put him in a match with somebody like that, and then during the match, have somebody attack one of those him. new Japan guys attack him during the match. I could see it playing out like that. Okay. Anything else on this match? Uh, no, not off the top of my head. I think it's still gonna it'll still be good regardless of the fact. Uh, next up, we got Pac. Or is it Pac? I always forget. Uh, Pac. Pac versus Andrade El Idolo with Chavo Guerrero Jr. Um, what are your thoughts for, before you you give me your result on what you think the, the match is going to be? What are your thoughts on Andrade so far in his debut and his coming over from WWE, ex-WWE guy coming over? And you know has, has it paid off for you or has it just kind of been like he needs to show me a little more? I th- I think there's a pretty good payoff so far. I, I think that they're treating him uh, a little better. Granted, he had he had his runs in, in the WWE. He was he was United he was the United States champion for a while, right? Or was sure he the he Intercontinental was. champion? He he was probably the U.S. champion because I think he was on Monday Night Raw. I don't think he was ever on SmackDown, or was he? I don't know. No, I, I I distinctly remember him always being on Raw. So he probably was the United States champion for a while. Um, and it's always good that that he has that mouthpiece with him. Uh. In the WWE side, it was uh, Zelina Vega, um, but I feel like she was kind of getting more of the star power, yeah. uh, and she was getting more over. Now he has somebody like Chavo Guerrero, which I don't want to say Chavo's a nobody, but Chavo doesn't really necessarily need to be in that spotlight anymore. Right. But uh, it's good that he's there to, to have a mouthpiece, but it's also good that Chavo is kind of like his guy to, to kind of like... You know, Chavo in, in his own right is a veteran of the business, and Chavo also came from from WWE, so Chavo can kind of teach him. And he doesn't really need to teach him anything as far as like being able to work in front of cameras and, and work on TV because he already right, has right. that exposure. But just just to give him those those extra little bits of insight, I think will really help develop his character a lot more. Um, and he's yeah, he's really grown on me as as a, as a talent um, since he since he st- debuted. Uh, I'm gonna go the opposite route. I think he's, he needs to show me a little bit more. Because I don't want him to get lost in the shuffle, like, like a Sean Spears. Like, just because you come over, like, you yeah. know, you can't always blame like the company. Like, yeah, we can put WWE at fault for a lot of stuff, but like, you know, Andrade, I don't, I, I, I don't have. How do you call it? What is it? Um, I have faith in his wrestling ability. Sorry, I stumbled on my words there so much. I have faith in his wrestling ability, 
It's just as a character, like he he needs to really get better at his promos because even the times where he is talking, whether it, even if it's in Spanish, like the stuff doesn't really pop to me. And, and AEW really needs to like stand out because mm-hmm. that roster just continues to grow and the star power is just getting incredible. And we'll get to that. But he needs to show me a little bit more. This match with Pac doesn't like this should be like one of the top matches of the show for sure from a wrestling standpoint. Yeah, I don't know if they ever touched in WWE because I know. No, I don't think so. No, okay. No, 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 no. Because uh, was he already? Go- he was already gone by the time like Andrade. Like- yeah, by by the time he came over, I think also too by the time he came over, Pac was already. Uh, I think he was doing the the cruiserweight run. Oh, okay, the two hundred five live thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, okay, now we can get to the the nails and bolts. Who do you think is going to win this match? I personally would like to see Andrade go over. I I think that that would be kind of. I think working with Pac. Excuse me. Pac, uh, are, again, being another one of those WWE crossovers or that made his right. way over from WWE, um, has, has a little bit more footing underneath him in terms of character and, and being already developed and knowing who he is. Um, so I think going over somebody like him could could elevate Andrade where he needs to be uh, as he's still trying to, as you had stated, try to you know show you what he needs more as in terms of like getting a better hold of his character and, and doing better in promos and stuff. Uh, it, we were talking about Schma's finishes. I could definitely see some outside interference with, with Chavo that, that could kind of help get him, think, get uh, him over the edge I, or get, get him over in this match. I don't see that he needs it, but that's kind of how I see it playing out. Do you see anything involving, and they're also on this card as well, but do you see anything with Penta, and Ray Phoenix getting involved at some point because that's the story they're telling right still that the death Andrade, triangle right Andrade is trying to recruit those guys over to his crew that he'll treat them better they'll be stars because of him I don't know do you feel like they're gonna have something to do with that uh, I don't know because I they, having that uh, having them in the the tag team title picture is really distracting because they could go either way on that right. um, no. I'm gonna say no for right now. I'll be surprised if it happens, mm-hmm. but I'm, I'm gonna say they're gonna they're gonna hold on to it, hold off on it just for a, okay. a bit longer. Um, just with AEW right now, we can trust the storytelling, like where it's actually going somewhere. So Andrade is the obvious pick here, and sometimes the obvious pick it's okay in wrestling. Like not everything has to be swerved to go the other way where it doesn't make sense. So AEW is okay sometimes with giving you the obvious pick on who should win and. I can see Andrade picking up the the singles win here, and which should be a very very fantastic match. Uh, moving on, uh, we got the return of Paul White. Oh boy! Who, uh, for the most part, has been more of a talking head and a commentator on AEW, right? Uh, and he's going to be battling QT Marshall. I don't even think it's Marshall anymore. It's Marshall. Marshall. And uh, this is a feud that's. Bond because of Tony Schiavone and them picking on his family and whatnot, and Paul White finally coming up to save the day. That's the only thing I remember out of this, unless there was stuff going on on Dark or Dark Elevation that I have no idea how this feud even began. But they had that one segment on Dynamite, and voila, here we are with this match. Yep, we we came, <clears throat> we came, we saw, and I don't really think we really care about this match, but. I I'm not going to be 100% totally dismissive on it either. Um 
there's no reason for Paul White to go over. I, I mean, there's there. I don't. But he's going to. <laughs> I. If this goes I don't more than ten minutes, I'm gonna be very disappointed in AEW. This should be a squash. Uh, I don't know about you, but QT Marshall has that go away heat. I don't think it's like real heat, uh, but that's just the way I see things. Uh, I don't know. What are your thoughts on him? He never really stood out to me. To, to be 100% honest with you. Just a guy. Just, yeah, he's always just kind of been there. Um, I don't really understand where he comes from or, or what his, you know, what he's supposed to be or, or why I'm supposed to gravitate towards him. Um, I mean, I guess if they were going to try to, to develop him because he is a, a younger talent, uh, that having a big name like Paul White or formerly known as The Big Show – um, to, to put him over would be a good thing. I was, to my understanding, I thought the big show was always going to be just like behind the scenes kind of, kind of deal. No, no more BS. No more BS. Sorry, Paul White. <laughs> uh, um, that's what I thought too. That's, that, that was kind of the thing with, that was kind of the thing with, with all of these WCW Attitude Era guys that were coming over. At, in the beginning, I didn't really understand it, but I actually listened to, uh, it was uh, Renee Renee Paquette, mm. or formerly known as Renee Young. She has her own podcast too that I that I kind of listen to, uh, and she did one with Jungle Boy and how Jungle Boy went under the wing of of Christian Cage. Yeah, and he he really he went into great detail about how you know having somebody like Christian to to really help him, uh, especially since he's somebody who's younger that's coming straight from the indies and doesn't really know how to work well on television. And is still trying to work on getting his promos. That having that that veteran advice to kind of help him out and show him the ways has really been beneficial for him. Mm. So now I kind of understand as to why like you have all of these factions that are headlined by like okay. Chris Jericho and um, Tully Blanchard and uh, Sting with Darby Allen. You know, you have these indie guys who. You know, when you're on the independents, don't really know what it's like to work with so many cameras on television. But now you have this wealth of knowledge and experience that are shadowing it. So if that's going to be the purpose of this match, cool. And what is what is going to be the end game for QT Marshall in, in the long run? Um, and then on the flip side of that, I don't really understand Big Show winning either. I don't really he think he needs it as much as QT Marshall does, but that's just me. Okay. Um. Me personally, if this was gonna, if this is gonna go like ten, fifteen minutes or whatever, I would mm. just say scrap this and put the women's casino battle royal on here, or give me another women's match on the card, like something like where that's gonna progress and where we'll see stuff down the line. QT Marshall, this is where the part of me is like, man, like he's just lucky he's connected to Cody Rhodes and yeah I don't know if you saw if you watched being the being elite, the elite that's, yeah that's how I know this QT Marshall guy he was a Cody's like I don't know right hand man or yeah whatever he was a guy he had an apple gimmick or I don't know what um that's the only reason why I see he's getting like time on TV and especially on a pay-per-view card where people are going to be shelling out 50 60 bucks for this thing mm-hmm. it's like nobody nobody's paying to see you and I mean I get the whole Paul White like have him come in and, you know, they're going to pop the crowd in Chicago with him. Like, I don't know. Some, sometimes these AEW crowds, like, they mark over anything. Uh, as bear, bearing witness to that and when we went to Cedar Park earlier in July for a Dynamite, which I don't mind. Like, it was one of the best crowds I've ever been involved with as far as, like, going to wrestling shows. But sometimes they, they mark out for every little thing and it's like, 
settle down. Like it's <laughs> it's Paul White. Like we, I mean, Christian Cage and Matt Hardy. <laughs> oh my I mean, goodness. come on. How many times? Like whatever. But that's just little nitpicks. Um, Paul White with the squash win again. This should be five minutes. If it goes any longer, I'll be very disappointed in the booking of this. You think it's going to be just? You think it's going to come down to just? They're going to face off against each other, and it's going to be a big KO punch, and that's it? Could or do you that, think there's going to be some sort of, like, actual physicality to it? There'll probably be a lot of, like, you know, QT Marshall's going to have his little goons around him where they try to do stuff to distract Paul White. Maybe QT Marshall gets a shot in here and there and then gets chokeslammed and loses. Crowd will pop for that. Um, we done with this, man? Uh, I think we spent enough time. Yeah, I think, I think we can move on from it. <laughs> okay. Uh, coming up in a a long term story that's been playing out for almost a couple of years now, it's the final match, Chris Jericho versus MJF, where if Jericho loses, he will retire from in ring competition in AEW. He'll become probably like a commentator. Uh, this one's interesting because we all thought the I actually thought the final labor of Jericho would have been this match, and not how it happened on Dynamite, and then we get another match. Yeah. So uh, I like the story they've been telling with this. I just thought the payoff was going to be here at the pay-per-view, not on a Dynamite, which that kind of threw me off for a bit. You're talking about the five labors, of course. Yeah, the- which I thought the fifth labor would have been another person, and if he got through all those five, then he would face MJF. That That's what make- I thought it was going to be. Yeah, that would have made more sense in, in hindsight. Um, I, I don't think... Jericho's not going anywhere. I don't think he's done quite yet. I know that he's got. He, I think that he's gone. Roster's building though. Like how much more? Like how much more is there going to be time for him to take up for like other guys that should be getting the spot? Like wrestling wise, as a character, I get it. Nobody, you need star power right now in terms of like growing your your audience. But you're you just landed Punk, and you're about to land Brian Danielson. Uh, I mean, no offense, but Jericho's kind of. Did his role like wrestling wise on that show already? Yeah, I think you know where I'm going. With who I think is going to win this match? So, I mean, I know that he's going on tour with Fozzie pretty soon. If if he hasn't already gone, um, that's that's already been confirmed. But I forgot if it was his podcast or if I, I forgot if it was the Broken Skull sessions that he was on. But he he had mentioned somewhere that the reason why he decided to leave WWE in the first place is because he wanted to feel free as a creator and he he still felt that he had some more miles in him as as a competitor and as a wrestler um not necessarily saying that he's going to go back into the main title picture by going over in this match but I still think that you know there are still some scores to settle and and who knows maybe him sticking around as you had stated you have the uh Brian Danielson and, and CM Punk that's obviously already here and we could see a couple of more see him put out a couple more of those matches maybe see him put over like a like a Darby Allen too mm-hmm. um so just somebody that's that's building up the the younger talent before before his way out and i feel like if this is his way out i feel like this is not the way for him to go i mean granted that's Pretty much wrestling one on one is yeah, you go out on your, your farewell is always going to be on your back, but I don't know. I, I feel like with with somebody like Jericho, that I, the way that I envision it going is there's more. I don't know. Maybe maybe I'm just thinking too much, and maybe I'm putting too much of my WWE hat into this, where I feel like there's there's got to be like a lot more 
pomp and circumstance and, and a lot of a lot more pageantry with his outgoing rather than just it being again being here at all out. But if you think about the history of wrestling, like when is it ever like a pomp and circumstance like finale? Like it kind of like you know you think about Shawn Michaels, Ric Flair. Oh damn it! Okay, there's exceptions to the rule because if that's Ric Flair, but like. When Steve Austin went out, it was like WrestleMania 19. Nobody knew, but that was it. Like, and it ended. Kurt Angle, like, you know, we all wish it would have been a different opponent, but it ended. Yeah. Um, I don't know. So many other people come to mind. Bret Hart, like, his last match, like, real match was, like, he got kicked in the head, and that was the last we ever saw of him. Yeah, he popped up in WWE and did, like, shit with Vince McMahon, but I didn't really count that. Um, I don't know. I just feel like Jericho is a character. You can still have him around again. I love him on commentary. I know a lot of people have made complaints about him. Like, oh, he's that great. He's, that he yells too much. and But he's passionate about the product. Like, I love commentators that are like that. Like, you think about SmackDown. Pat McAfee has been, like, and, such a delight on SmackDown. And Jim Ross doesn't yell. Yeah. Right? <laughs> but, I mean, I, I think me, the com, uh, the complaints are coming more from, like, him talking over people or whatever. But just Jericho, Jericho knows the business. Like, he knows how you know wrestlers think and you know he knows how to he'll turn it off and on as far as like being a heel commentator and then putting a guy over so you can still have jericho around in that aw allure and that character he can still come out to the song and you can sing him out and all that stuff but i just think from a wrestling standpoint like he's kind of like i don't know he just he doesn't really have it anymore like yeah he did some stuff like in these labors of jericho like Especially that Nick Gage match, but it's oh, like yeah, most of it was all like gimmick because it was all weapons. So like, it's not like he really had to do any real wrestling. It was a bunch of street fighting, uh, but the match still top ten of the year probably for me. Um, I don't know. I just think like with the way things are going and these guys that are ascending, your Hangman's, your Darby's, your Jungle Boys, and Punk and Danielson can now fill in those veteran roles uh, to elevate those guys more. Like Jericho's kind of like i don't know i feel like this is a good opportunity for him to bow out and you know never say never in wrestling right like right yeah AEW can hold this stipulation because you know cody hasn't challenged for the AEW title and he lost that stipulation but at some point down the road if they want to break that little step they can do it and jericho you can coax him out like every once in a while do a match you know like a like a jerry lawler or something like that if he transitioned to that role or you coax him out every now and then to this big fight. Cool. But I think as a full-time regular wrestler, maybe it's time to call it quits. But again, I don't know how Jericho's feeling. Uh, and if he does, he's going to have to get in a little better shape. Like, no offense, but like, kind of see, like, hey, like, kind of putting on a little bit of the poundage there. I just, uh, I just thought of another, I just thought of another example when you were going on, uh, like, if, if he were to retire, if this were going to be the end for him, but you could have him come back every now and again. Just thought of another example, Shawn Michaels yeah. and Undertaker versus Shawn Michaels <laughs> streak versus career match. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's another one of those big, like, very pageantry-oriented kind mm. of big, big circumstance-type matches. Right. Um, I mean, it, it makes sense logically, and, and you're not wrong with all of the points that you made. Um, and if it plays out this way, then I, I guess that's that's just it. And I'm not going to be upset because as, as wrestling fans, we know better that if if somebody's on their way out then they typically tend to go out on their back it's very rare that people go out on top i think the last time i remember seeing that was like trish stratus yes. when yeah. when she when she won the very odd um 
I don't know. I just feel like the way that this story has been has been told, and the fact that the fifth labor played out the way that it did, where M- MJF could, or excuse me, Jericho couldn't use the Judas effect, but you had MJF use it against him and then tap mm. him out. I feel like this is kind of one of those stories where it's it's Jericho has gone through so much over the course of the past however many weeks or months, right. and so this is going to be kind of like his redemption. Now it's kind of just, this is a stipulation, but there's no other, like, there's nothing else that, that's prohibiting him from doing other stuff, so he can still use the Judas effect and get his full entrance and everything. Um, I see this being more of like a revenge type of ending, and so that's why I'm picking him with, with going over and sticking around just a little bit longer. If he's ready to go out, I could see it happening a whole lot differently. But then again, that, again, that's probably me just wearing my WWE cap and, and thinking of bigger and better ways that he could go out, but. Speaking of that WWE cap, um, and the only reason I'm going MJF here is that you really need to start elevating this guy into one. I mean, I already consider him one of the top AEW stars. For sure. But that's the whole thing of this feud is like Jericho can't beat MJF. Like, well, dude, like I'm the up-and-coming riser. You're the has-been like that used to be. Yeah. Um, And I feel like if Jericho gets the win, yeah, from a story as far as like getting revenge, it works. But on the other hand, if he beats MJF, like, then what was the whole point? Like, the whole point is to establish MJF as this, like, monster heel that's just, is just one up over the veteran. Like, and it's his time to ascend and eventually win the championship somewhere down the road. And I feel you kind of handicap that a little bit if you give the win to Jericho. I know it wouldn't hurt MJF completely, but I don't know. It's, I, don't, I don't see the benefit for MJF if, if Jericho goes over. Yeah, I was gonna say it, it shouldn't hurt him that bad. Um, I mean, it's, I mean, it's Chris Jericho. It's decorated veteran and uh, however many decades in, in the industry. And I mean, it. it but of course, if I this could. were anybody else, if this were like Christian Cage, then yeah. you know, yeah, I'd have MJF go over. But but of course, I could say all this. Jericho wins Sunday. That's literally the end of the feud. And then Wednesday on Dynamite, like. MJF interrupts CM Punk, and I'm like, okay, cool, forget it. Like, that's, yeah, 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 I'm cool with MJF losing. We're gonna get this. Like, mm-hmm. that's totally gonna be like a money feud or whatever. So if they go that route, okay. But if it's like, if it still like continues on, and MJF's kind of just there, like, I'm ready for him to do bigger and better things. Like, the feud's been great. The whole blood and guts thing, and the whole pinnacle versus the inner circle, great feud. And it's, I just feel like it's it's ran its course already. Like, it's time for it to end. Yeah. But I, I, I want it to end with an MJF victory just to cap it off as setting them into the next, you know, 10, 15 years down the road. But that's just my opinion. So we're split on that. Uh, anything else on this match? Not that I can think of, no. If CM Punk weren't on this card or didn't return in general, and if Jericho was going to go out, then I would put this as the main event so you could swan song him out oh for sure have him the crowd cheer for him play his music and all that stuff then you could do that but the event's a little bit bigger because of who's on the card right and and where the card is taking place yeah so so it's kind of just a match so but it's still going to be a good match regardless um next we got the singles match for the AEW TNT championship miro uh god's favorite champion the redeemer Defending against Eddie Kingston. Uh, I'm really looking forward to this match. Two very good talkers. You want to talk about night and day with, like, uh, we were talking about Andrade earlier. 
where I feel like it's kind of been a little bit of a letdown for me so far, Miro has just been on fire with his promos. Oh, for sure. From the moment he took that title off Darby Allen, Because, I mean, he came in kind of like a little bit hit and miss with Kip Sabian and this whole yeah, the best man. Yeah, he, he kind of had he had a, a little bit of a goofy run with that with that stable with, yeah, with Sabian him. and Penelope Ford. I think we were all kind of starting to lose hope a little bit. Like, maybe it wasn't all him. Yeah. Uh, but now, like, that AW's kind of got their footing going. And they figured out, like, oh, shit, like, just, just make Miro a monster, like, mm-hmm. that mauls people. And and now that he, and now he's – and now he can talk, too. Like, that's the thing. I, I'm pretty sure – Miro, like, um, he's gotten better in his promos as he's gone along. And every time, like, a little video package – he doesn't even have to wrestle on the show. He, most of the time it's just video packages of him talking shit. And it's, like, it's fucking great. Like, I love this guy. But I also love Eddie Kingston, too, who's on the up-and-coming um, – he got his shot in AEW last year in that um, TNT Open title challenge uh, mm-hmm. w- with Cody and made his name there. Obviously, he's made his name on the indies and all that stuff. Again, another really good talker. Another guy who's on the rise and is super over. This could go either way, but I'm going to pick Kingston because I want to see him finally get like a big win. And Miro can eventually move on to like the world title. You know, He's that big of a character already. Um, what are your thoughts? That would be that would be a good pick. I think um, something would have to happen in the world title picture before you elevated uh, Miro to that point. Because as of right now, we have uh, crap. I forget his name. Um, Who's the champion? Yeah, Omega. Omega. There you go. I don't know why his name escaped me. Kenny Omega is a champion, but he's a heel champion right now, right. and he's got the whole faction with the elite. And uh, I don't see Miro unless they were going to turn Miro face and turn him into the baby face as, as part of that, that feud <laughs> that that would make a lot of sense um yeah either 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 of these competitors could get the win here and it wouldn't diminish or hurt the other uh in the long run in the grand scheme of things i think that uh this is kind of like the redemption story for miro mm-hmm. and we're kind of seeing more or less uh how he should have been treated in his run with with wwe and the way that they're presenting him and making him look and the fact that he can have an open microphone and and cut his own promos without a mouthpiece um, really speaking volumes for him. Mm -hmm. I think he goes over and and holds on to the the title just a tad bit longer and maybe drops it to like, I don't know, maybe like a CM Punk instead. Mm -hmm. If CM Punk's going to go for a title, um, just to kind of slowly build CM Punk. Not not that he needs it, but just so... Cause just for the casual audiences that that are gonna be like, oh, why, why is CM Punk automatically getting a, a title shot after only being in AEW for a month or, or something right. kind, kind of thing, you know? Just kind of slowly ha- having him go that route. Real quickly, um, that's kind of like the pro and con of this whole like ranking yeah. system. Yeah. Right? I mean, um, yeah. Um, again, I I'm gonna be fine with either outcome in this match, but. I'm just picking Kingston because, you know, at some point you do got to start pulling the trigger on some of these guys, like a Jungle Boy. Like, they keep putting them in these positions, but then they lose. And I know they're going to go back to it eventually and pull the trigger, but don't wait too long. Same thing with Adam Hangman Page. Like, they built that up pretty good over the summer, and I know he's on paternity leave right now because his wife's having a baby. So that was one of the big reasons why he's not getting the title match at this event. But don't wait too long. And I I, I love the long-term booking. But again, don't wait too long because you got to strike while the iron's hot, right? 
And I, they've never, Jungle Boy is one of the ones that I've, I've kind of grown fond of too. Jungle Boy has never crossed paths with Miro, has he, for the TNT title? Jungle, no. I know Jungle Boy fought Omega. Yeah, he if fought I'm not Omega, mistaken. he fought uh, mistaken. Jericho. Um, I mean, he's had all these big matches, but I mean, they never pull the trigger and let him like get a win. It doesn't have to even be for the belt, but at least gonna let him get the win. Yeah, I think I think he's still got to find his voice because mm-hmm. right now he's not he's he's good wrestling wise, and that's really what he's kind of leaning heavily on. Um, but even he, going back to what I was talking about earlier on the Renee Paquette podcast, he even admitted himself. He's like he doesn't really he's not too fa- overly fond of promos. He just doesn't like that aspect of, of professional wrestling, so he's got to he's got to get really he's got to get better at that before they can really yeah. put him in those in those title type pictures. Um, so he's he's got to gain some ground on that. But I would like to see him square it up with somebody like like Miro, who's just a powerhouse dominating heel, and he Not, can make him look good too. Because that's yeah. the, that's the other quality that we haven't really talked about with Miro is that in all these matches that he's had, he's actually put the other guy over like a, a Lee Johnson or a Fuego del Sol. Right. Like they, they, he did a good job in letting them get offense on him while still like maintaining that aura of being like a monster right. that just demolishes people. Um, yeah. Anything else on this match? Uh, but you're going Miro, right? To, to retain? Yeah, I'll be, I'll be a contrarian again. I'll go, I'll go Miro. Okay. We're actually split on a lot of these. Interesting. Um, up next, uh, I got a lot to say on this match. Oh, uh, boy. The Young Bucks versus the Lucha Brothers in a steel cage match for the AEW World Tag Team Championship. From a match standpoint, these guys are going to fucking tear the house down. For sure. They did it with the ladder match. It's all good and well. That is not the story that is being told with the Young Bucks and the Elite and the distraction and all that. Especially how it played out with Jungle Boy and mm-hmm. Luchasaurus in their title match. There was all these distractions and that's why they lost. And then Tony Khan says, like, okay, I've had enough of this interference or whatever. We're going to put you guys in a steel cage. But then they make a tournament out of it. Which, okay, cool, fine, and whatnot. But why wouldn't you just automatically give Luchasaurus and Jungle Boy the rematch? Because they got screwed up from the interference. Yeah. And that makes sense for the cage. Now, this the only reason I can see them doing this match is because that makes me believe that the Young Bucks are probably going to win and they don't want to give another big loss to Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus because, again, you're building these guys up only to continually beat them. Lucha Brothers won't suffer either way on a win or loss because, I mean, it's the fucking Lucha Brothers. They're, they're good either way. But just storyline-wise, it doesn't make any sense to me. But the match is going to be awesome. I'm not gonna deny that there's gonna be a lot of good spots. Crowd's gonna lose their shit. Uh, I'm sure you and I will lose our shit when we watch it on Sunday. Oh yeah. Um, but just with the way it's played out and how I think the Young Bucks are not gonna lose these titles yet, I think they're gonna go over. I I think so too. I I see the the Young Bucks retaining just because that's kind of the direction that they're taking this this whole group, this whole faction that they have with the Elite. Um, seen it before. We, we saw it the very first double or nothing pay-per-view in 2019 and they tore they absolutely tore the house down that's actually one of the things that really elevated the tag team division right off of the bat for for aew where matches has like really these. Been, can we can we talk about that for a second yeah, like a little bit of a hot take like have they really elevated that tag team division because it's literally just been the young bucks just they beat everybody 
like the what like the whole thing with FTR like that was supposed to be a big deal when they came in and you know they had their little internet feud of who was better or whatever and they had that one match and like that was it like they didn't go back to it they didn't revisit it like it's just been the young bucks beating everybody like what teams have they really elevated through this whole thing like it's kind of it's kind of an unfortunate circumstance too that they just so happen to be they just so happen to go through a heel turn so now we have two heel tag teams with two different factions two different heel factions yeah. so it's kind of hard to revisit at the moment you could easily make um, ftr baby faces though i think but uh i don't know my hot take is that i the tag team division is no different than what it is in in wwe like we're it's only one team or whatever that has the belts and they'll get other teams that go together they give them a chance to possibly win and they don't like i don't know just my my opinion on it maybe elevation wasn't the right word uh in terms of like putting other teams over but in terms of getting eyes like i i really started to take a notice to tag team wrestling from the get-go with with aw because you had the young bucks and then they were forming teams like the lucha express and then you already had the lucha brothers and then you had uh fcu um and then what's what is the other one the um who, who are the two guys that are running with the hardy family oh, organization the, I, was the, street profits. I was gonna say that i was thinking the street profits too i'm like it's like 21 no but it's like almost the same gimmick not because yeah. of race, but it's like almost the same gimmick it's a uh, private party private party there you go i knew it was something party I, I was thinking for whatever reason i was thinking 21 party or something i was, yeah, yeah. It was like something like that but just kind of getting eyes on tag team wrestling mm-hmm. is kind of what i was getting at um and these two are two of the best to to do it um lucha express i'm i'm really excited for and i would really like to see them go over one of these days and actually win the tag team titles like would that not I be think, a huge pop in chicago it, in the cage for them sure getting that huge win you can have luchasaurus and jungle boy on the top of the cage and him on his shoulders and with the belts like i don't know just I'm, i the young bucks they're good like i'm not denying that they're a great tag team but it, also, like, I've had enough of them. Like, let another team get some shine. Even earlier this year, I think they faced Moxley and Kingston for those belts. And it was, like, a freaking good match. It's like, why not run with Moxley and Kingston as a badass buddy tag team? Yeah. Like, they're a good tag them. Like, let them have these good matches with other teams. And they'll elevate them more. Because, in my opinion, like, the Young Bucks haven't elevated anybody but themselves. Like, because what... What's the one thing you always say coming out of those matches? And the same thing with, like, Meltzer and all these guys. Oh, the Young Bucks are just so good in this match. Oh, they, they just made everybody look good in this match. And it's always about them as opposed to, like, the other team. Like, it's always, the news always has to be about them. And they're great, but I've had enough of them. But they're going to win someday. <laughs> I'm thinking, yeah, I'm, I'm picking the Bucks, too. I'm, I'm also thinking, too, you could also spin it this way if you want to take it back a couple uh, when we were talking about uh, El Idolo versus Pac. And if there is going to be any sort of crossover, if there is going to be any sort of recruitment where we see the formation of that of that team between the three of them, maybe uh, El Idolo causes interference and helps put the Lucha Brothers over. Okay. And so now you have a team that has the tag teams. You have Chavo in the wings, and now it's just a matter of focusing on getting the belt to... So they start feeding with the Elite? I could, I could be down. For I could, that. I could, I could see that. That would be 
It'd be interesting. Really it'd, good be, it'd be something different. It'd be different than just the Bucks winning and yeah. that's it and they move on. Like if they, see, I'm cool with that. Like, that's a pretty big what if in terms of storytelling, but I don't I'm not hundred percent confident with it mm-hmm. playing out that way. I'm just saying that if there was gonna be because I had I had a little bit of reservation where we were going over that match with, with Pac and, mm-hmm. and Andrade, but um if if there wasn't gonna be any sort of like schmas or interferences that would I feel would be a good time to do it. But if there's a, but also like I'm thinking in storyline, if there's a schmaz and that defeats the whole purpose of the cage, because the whole purpose of the cage is to eliminate the schmaz. What? And it's just a clean finish. Eliminate the schmaz in terms of like the elite. If you have just Andrade by himself, like if, if this is a traditional steel cage where you can win by walking out of the cage door, just have him slam it on Nick's head or Mm -hmm. or something like that. Yeah. I don't know. I feel like AEW is not going to go that route of WWE where they do an ending like that. Yeah. It's literally going to be a, a pinfall or you literally escape, escape the cage. Escape the cage. Um, but who knows? I mean, I don't know. I think the, the last cage match they did was, uh, was it Cody and Wardlow? Not the blood. I'm not counting the blood and guts because that's like mm. hell in the cell types stuff where it's like it was a literal tall cage with an opening on top. Right. And I think Cody won by pinfall. I don't think he escaped. I yeah, think I think so too. So. I could see that it's going to end like in a pinfall. Like I don't think anybody's going to escape. Um, it's been a it's been a hot minute since we in any promotion since we've seen a a win where somebody actually escapes the cage. That's true, right? Hasn't it always been pinfalls for the yeah. most part? Yeah, no, I agree. Yeah, probably for the most part, it's been. Um, it's just that I'm tired of like the young bucks are healed, but they went they went pretty cleanly for being heels. Like at least Omega, like. Has like those distractions, like from Don Cows or whoever. Yeah. Like specifically that what was it a double or nothing that triple threat match, which mm-hmm. was fucking awesome with Orange Cassidy and Pac. But it was a there was schmas in it. Yeah. And I know a lot of people didn't like that, but it made it more interesting. And he's a heel. He should be like getting away with right victories like that. And the Bucks always win clean for some reason. Like fuck, like you just kill all the momentum of everybody else. Um, and again, it's not that I hate the Bucks. I'm just, come on, bro. Like, you guys said you were going to make tag team wrestling, like, the biggest thing, and it's still kind of just there. Yeah. But that's, man, that's just my opinion. So I got the, we both got the Young Bucks. I think, yeah, I, think, I, think that's, I think that's a unified pick for the Bucks. Okay. All right, let's move on. Next, we got the AEW Women's World Championship match. Dr. Britt Baker, finish that off for me. D-M-D. With Rebel defending against against uh, number one contender Chris Statlander, uh, the alien who's part of Best Friends, so she's even she's in a stable. Yep, which I, that's different because at least they have a woman there in that group. Like, yeah, I would yeah, like yeah. to see a lot more. Like, I mean, I, why can't Britt Baker be like have like recruit some guys to her team? You know what I mean? Like, just mix it up. Like, mm-hmm. I know if I was a professional wrestler and if I was going into the business, I was like, give me like two of your top women and I. Put them in a stable with me, and we'll build around that. Um, but that, that's a, that's another topic. Let's let's get to the actual match. Um, there is nobody in all of pro wrestling that has been on a bigger role than Britt Baker. This fucking woman got herself over during a pandemic with no crowds and an injury. She was injured of all things, and she got over because she worked on her promos and her character and figured it out. Yep. And she became like the most fun thing about wrestling in the pandemic. 
And now that crowds are back, everybody's eating out of the palm of her hands. I remember watching her at the start of AEW where she was so vanilla and such just like, oh, I don't, I don't know if this is going to work. And I even saw some of her indie work on, on YouTube. And, you know, she's come a very long way in a short time. Um, she's become one of my favorites. Um, there's no reason for her to lose the title now. Um, she's she's supposed to be the heel in this match, but again, the, I think the crowd's just going to cheer for her regardless. And, right. And seeing how she was received in Chicago just a couple of weeks ago, I'm kind of seeing the same type of reaction this time. Um, I think she's going to go over cleanly. I don't think there'll be any schmas. I don't think they'll need to be. There doesn't need to be. Not, not at all. Uh, but yeah, I'm going with Britt Baker in this match. I definitely have to agree with that pick too. I think she's she's got too much momentum going she has she has so much going for her right now as you had stated i mean going back to that episode of uh of rampage a couple of weeks ago cm punk for the first time in seven years makes his return what is literally one of the first things that he says in his return promo he literally puts Britt baker over like oh you guys are giving me a a warm pittsburgh reception if we were in pittsburgh and i was Britt baker kind of thing you know like that's how over Britt Baker DMD is. Mm. I like Chris Stantlander. I think she's a really good talent. I like her as a performer as well. Um, and she's got her thing, as you had stated, going on with, with best friends. But it's it's kind of I, I kinda like the way that they're playing it out where it's it doesn't feel like she's just there, just like another body. Mm-hmm. She can still kind of be her own person and, and right. be in positions like this where she's actually challenging for the world title, which is great for her. And it's kind of it's kind of just their group doing doing their thing and they're getting like especially somebody like freshly squeezed orange cassidy getting over so well no matter where he goes with with one of the silliest gimmicks in pro wrestling but it's so simple and super over um real quickly do you think will he be accompanying chris statlander in this match because i can see some of the comedy with him and rebel or even jay i don't know jamie hater that's a that's another topic it's not confirmed, so it's not. It doesn't say that. It doesn't say that he's going to be on there. And they're usually pretty good of saying like, yeah, with Here's Orange Cassidy, so, yeah, so yeah. with Chris, uh, with Orange Cassidy or whatever. I think if he was going to be on there, I think they would have advertised it by now. I, I don't really see why there would need to be like a, a surprise, like if he were to come out there. I think I think the hijinks ringside would be pretty hilarious, yeah. um, or even something where if if the match spills outside of the ring and just have him stand off against Britt Baker and yeah, he I does the love. whole. The whole hands in his pocket kind of deal and just have her go off would be super entertaining to watch. I don't see it happening though. I think, I think Statlander is just going to come to the ring, just one woman army by herself to, to kind of show what she's got. I would, I would bring him out only to get some of that pop for Chris Statlander because she's like the baby face in this match. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, I, I, there shouldn't be any schmas. I know Jamie Hader's the the muscle now, and we'll see how that storyline plays down the road. And maybe, you know, Hader will turn on Britt Baker at some point, which I think you should at some point because, you know, Britt Baker like you're just gonna she's just always gonna be the target because I think until they get this women's division like completely like figured out, mm-hmm. like she should not lose that belt. Like, no, I don't care if it's like three years down the road, she's still champion. Like I agree, she's just she's too hot. Uh, you know, until somebody and 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 in the wrestling terms, she's on the hot streak. Until somebody with a little more, 
I guess, for lack of a better term, credibility to their name. So let's say in a, in a rebooking hypothetical kind of context, if somebody like a Sasha Banks yeah, yeah. were to not re-sign with WWE and make her way over to this neck of the woods, mm-hmm. that would be Huge. a fantastic feud to, to look forward to. Like that would automatic that should automatically like hypothetically if that happened, that should be like a pay per view main event. Like right. not, not in the middle of the card, not co main event. Like that's the last match on the card. Um what else was I gonna say about this? Um yeah, no, she just doesn't need to drop the belt and she could be champion for as long as they need her to be. She's she's the only one that's figured it out. Like wrestling wise, she's still like she's not green. But she doesn't have to be the the best wrestler either. She's mm-hmm. got the whole package. She's a character, right? Um, so yeah, this momentum's just going to keep building with her. And well, I, I I at least hope they get time to do them to do a, a good match. A good match. Twenty um, twenty minutes. Yeah, twenty five like, minutes. Why not give her twenty minutes? She's the champ. Like this is, I mean, technically her first match was against uh, Nyla Rose, but that was on TV. But this is her first right pay per view like with a defense, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, because she wanted at double or nothing. Yes, off of Sheeta. That's an, this is another hot take, sorry. I, I don't mean to go in on the elite or anything like that, but isn't this kind of a fail a little bit? Because I, I, behind the scenes, I think Kenny Omega kind of runs the women's division, or what I've been reading from. Like a producer, kind of? or Producer, and also like creatively storylines. I know oh, okay. it, the book probably starts with Tony Khan, but I know Kenny Omega is kind of like overseeing a lot of this. Right. I think it was kind of a failed experiment with like Sheeta and Riho and... I mean, I know he was trying to get those women over mm-hmm. as far as like in the mainstream and in, in you know in U.S. wrestling, right? But you had Britt Baker there this whole time. Like, why didn't you try to build around? Like, she she made herself get over like by herself. Like, right? I mean, I know she got a lot of help from, and she said this like from Jericho and you know just the veterans in the back on how to like deliver promos and all that stuff. But like, man, what a what a big fail there because like I kept wondering like, man. Why are they taking forever to pull the trigger on her after she figured it out? And even with the belt, like, why are they taking so long to put the belt on her? Like, they should be running right out of the gate with her as the champion, you know, once she figured it out. Because, like, by – we're almost at the – what is it? Yeah, we're, like, a a year ago at All Out, she already kind of had it figured out, her character. Mm -hmm. And they didn't even pull the trigger on her to like, May of the following year or this year to have her as champion. It's like, what were you waiting for? Like, I mean, again – I get the long-term storytelling, but you got to strike while the iron's hot sometimes with, like, when you got something there. Like, same thing with Becky Lynch. Like, they they didn't want to ride that wave, but they couldn't deny it. Same thing with Brick Baker. You can't deny it with the audience and just how freaking... She's a cool heel, like, just in terms of the way she delivers. Been watching all her stuff on YouTube. Like, God bless. Like, that girl knew, knows how to hit punchlines and... She's quick witted, like God, like if that's how she is in real life. Like, oh shit, like that's fucking cool. She's just a hyped up version of herself. Can't say enough good things about Britt Baker. DMD, uh, you good with this man? She is phenomenal talent for sure. And the last little point that I want to make too, and, and the good thing about this match too is even if because we're not neither one of us are, are picking Statlander to go over. So even even if Statlander does take the fall, it's it's Britt Baker. So Chris Statlander in the long run is not going to get hurt by this at all. Yeah, if, yeah. if anything else, this 
kind of makes her look good as as a as a good championship contender later on down the line as as she gets more you know more tenure and, and, and starts to build herself up a little a little more. Um, she's going to be coming back for sure. Mm. Uh, like I said, I'm, I'm very impressed with her as it is, and and she's you know one of my favorites on the current roster. So uh, it's it's really good that as as big of a star as Britt Baker DMD is currently, it's it's not going to hurt Chris Statlander. Mm. But Britt's got to do her part too, because that's one of the things, right? When you become the big star, is that you have to help elevate other right. people too. So I think she, she could. Do I her think part she too. could do that. So if she sells for her and makes Chris Statlander look like a million bucks, not that she's not a bad wrestler, but yeah, she, she's got to play that role good. But we're both on the Britt Baker bandwagon here. There's no reason to hop off it. And if you aren't, y'all need to jump on it. All aboard. Yep. All right, next up, uh, which any other night, this would be the main event because it's the championship match, the AEW world title, Kenny Omega, Kenny by God Omega, as Don Callis would say, defending against Christian Cage, where the, when this match was originally announced, people kind of soured on it. But they've done a really good job of convincing the audience, at least convincing me. Like They've made a good little story out of this. And obviously this uh, started with uh, their, their one-on-one match on Rampage for the Impact title, where it's like, mm-hmm. oh shit, that was the first time meeting and and Christian Cage actually got the win over Omega, and he lost one of the belts. Like, damn, even Kenny Omega did a job before the Bucks did. When was the last time the Young Bucks lost a match? I'm sorry to harp back on them, but Kenny Omega, uh, all the work he's been doing as a heel champion have been incredible. He's one of my favorite standouts to watch on the show every week. Um, his match with Christian Cage on Rampage was phenomenal. That was like a 10-15 minute TV match. Now just imagine here on pay-per-view, I think it's even going to be way better than that. We all know who's going to win here. But can, the thing is, can they give us like an amazing match? And I think they're going to pull it off. Kenny Omega, easy win here, but it's going to be a, an ama- amazing match. For sure. I think in terms of wrestling skill and wrestling ability, both gentlemen in this match have already proven a lot. And Kenny Omega is one of those talents that, uh, as opposed to Christian Cage... Kenny made a big name for himself without having WWE as a platform to, mm-hmm. to do it on, which he's one of the very few talents in pro wrestling that's that was able to, to do that. Let me state on record for this podcast. I wasn't a fan of Omega. Like, I never got it. Like, everyone would always tell me about mm-hmm. Kenny Omega, and I was like, I don't get it. Like, I had seen some stuff, but just didn't get it. I get it now. Like, he's a tremendous talent. But go on. Uh, so, I, th- I think these two worlds colliding i mean we've already seen it on on television but now we're in a in a pay-per-view setting i think this is going to be uh one for the books kenny omega is my pick to go over uh because i'm just just the simple notion of christian cage doesn't need this win um and he's already taken the impact world title he hasn't even dropped that belt yet has he he's he's still the impact world champion is he not i think the only thing he dropped because they ha- he had the because Kenny had the TNA or the Impact title and the TNA title. There was two of them, and Christian Cage retired one of them on Impact. So it's just the Impact title now. So. Yeah, but no, you can use Chris- Christian to elevate other talent on there, and it's a way to just give back because everybody remembers Christian Cage going to TNA after his first WWE run. Mm-hmm. So, but uh, 
yeah, no, it's it's going to be a hell of a match. I think the crowd's going to be way into it. They're going to be way into way into it now than they were like a couple of weeks ago when they announced it and everyone was kind of like really yeah. You know, everybody wanted Hangman and then you know the whole CM Punk news what's like is he going to premiere or not? Is he going to be in the company? Right. There's just been a lot of plans changing but for the better. Like it, I think it's kind of better now that this match is happening as opposed to the Hangman. I feel like if they had done the Hangman thing, he's going to get lost in the shuffle. Like it's not time yet. Just because of all the other circumstances with Punk and right. all that stuff. Christian Cage is the perfect foe to, like, take, like you said, take the pin but not be hurt by it. Because he's still the Impact World Champion. Mm-hmm. Um, and they can always circle back to this because, you know, Christian Cage did pin Kenny Omega after, like, a year year of him not losing any matches. Right. Um, it's going to be phenomenal. And, like I said... Every once in a while, it's okay to be predictable in professional wrestling. We all know he's going to win this match because we all know what's coming down the road with who's uh, getting signed and who's about to debut. Which leads us to our main event, the return. CM Punk, who stated in his promo, his passionate promo, that he wanted to come back to work with the young talent. Like a Jungle Boy and the Varsity Blondes and, and of course, his first name on the list is Darby Allen who's like one of the best up and comers that AW has produced since the start uh, of the of their run uh, on TNT with Dynamite and all that um, I don't know we're going to see if uh, CM Punk's going to be able to keep up It's it's been 7 years is CM Punk going to be able to do this like a, like a Shawn Michaels where he was away for a while and when he came back it was like oh shit it was like he never left like, is Punk in that stratosphere like a Michaels where it's like he's going to be able to just go or are we going to see some rust or what do you think? There might be some, but I don't think there's going to be a whole lot to the point where you have to question his performance. Because uh, you think about the last seven years and it's not like Punk was just not doing nothing. I mean, he, he tried his hand at UFC and mm. that's that's a completely different style of conditioning and, yeah. and, and fighting altogether. Um so he's he's been active since his absence in professional wrestling, um, but as far as ring conditioning and being able to to pull back and, and hold back and sell and all that stuff, you might see a little bit of it. But at the same time, I mean, it's CM Punk, right? But in terms it's, of like, it's Chicago. Are you worried? Like, if you've seen him physically, like he doesn't look as. Big and I know this was like seven years ago, but he doesn't look as big as he did in WWE. And I don't know how long ago they filmed that television show Heels, but he actually wrestles a match in there, and you see his body and what it looks like. It ain't what it used to. I mean, I know they covered it up in makeup, so you don't see all the tats and whatnot. But you know, he didn't look like the CM Punk of old. Like you could tell, he had aged already. Yeah. So I'm just curious on that end. I know he's like at the gym, and I'm sure he's training his ass off. Like. He's not going to come back to, like, flop. Like, right. It's just not in him. Like, just the way we've seen his drive and determination. And if you've ever seen his The Best in the World doc on, on in WWE, like, it's one of the best documentaries they ever did. I mean, just his determination and stuff is... I know he's going to pull it off, but there's still that little wonder, like, oh, like, please, like, please let it, like, be as, as good as I hope it's going to be, as opposed to, like, you know, oh, shit, like... Maybe his time passed already. Like maybe there was too long of a gap. Yeah. Because when Michaels came back, he left in '98, 
came back in 2002. That's what? Four years. Four years. This is seven years. Yeah. You had another three years to that. And the fact that Punk is also, like, while he did the UFC stuff, that was also kind of a while back. And he's been doing more movie stuff. And he's done a couple of horror movies. And I know he's transitioning a lot into doing more stuff like that. So I don't know how much he's been keeping up with his body, like, physically. Right. That's my only worry. But it's, like, a little worry. But I I think he's going to be just fine. I think I think if you if you got to look at it too, you can't you can't have the reaction and the build and the anticipation and everything that went into this return, everything that led up to this one moment, this welcome back match, being in his hometown of of Chicago and and how incredibly welcomed and, and the ovation that he's going to get again, just for him to to be, I don't want to say a total flop, but just yeah. for him to to be subpar i guess yeah. for lack of a better term i i think he i think he knows what he's doing i think he's he's known what he's doing and, and that he's been looking at, at coming back and doing this for a while especially mm-hmm. in this in this setting with this promotion uh with this group of individuals that he has his eyes on and all the scores that he has to settle i think i think he'll be more than just fine i think we'll still see the best yeah. in the world come this sunday yeah, and I didn't mean to like. I don't want to. I didn't want to make it seem like I was body shaming or anything like. Oh, that. Oh no, I, I, just, I understand you know what, what you're I mean? saying. One hundred percent. Yeah, just the aura of him. He's never really. He's honestly. He's never really been. And that's. I mean, we talked about it at the beginning of the show. He's never really been a body guy to true, begin with true. because he didn't have like the best, well-rounded like body bodybuilding style of physique, mm-hmm. and he wasn't always the biggest guy. So, yeah. um, you know, and of course, age is going to play a factor into it as well and he's he's also he's straight edge he's also uh i think he's i, I think forgot he's if vegan, he's ve- he? vegetarian or vegetarian, vegan or something sorry. like yeah he's vegetarian so he doesn't eat meat so i mean the body can only process that so much right, for, for right. so long and, and there then you know it's, it is going to show uh as, as time progresses but as far as how that's going to impact his performance and his skill that's really just a matter of how he's been focusing on his conditioning leading up to this and like i said you had all of this going into this one moment leading up to to this sunday and i think he knows knows what he's doing so i think he's i think i think we're gonna see what i think we're gonna see what we're expecting to see and perhaps even then some so with that being said i'm picking darby out no, i'm just kidding <laughs> yeah, with that, that, that being said he's it's totally gonna be just a, a cheap roll-up pin yeah no um i'm going with pong it's the obvious like it's the smart thing to do it's this is kind of like a out-of-body experience type match where it's like it's more the aura of like the return more it's like to their actually being an actual feud Right. These guys don't hate each other. Anymore. No, yeah. There's so, there's no storytelling like, in this whatsoever. I, I can totally see when this is over, they're going to hug and shake hands or whatever. Or maybe they'll even get attacked or whatever and they'll team up. And, you know, they can set up something like that with Sting getting involved and all that and all three of them stand tall. Like, I can see something like that playing out at the end. But this is, like, not your normal, like, feud where it's... This isn't Darby Allen versus Ethan Page. Right. Like we saw in that coffee match. Where oh, like, yeah. That was a blood feud. Where they just wanted to kill each other and they wanted to, you know, at least at some point, it looked like they wanted to end their careers. Um, no, this is going to be a straight-up wrestling match. Uh, I mean, I know CM Punk has stated he doesn't want to take the, the coffin drop or whatever or whatever that move that Darby does off the top rope. But, 
you know, it's going to be a fun match. And again, if this ends up being like Triple H and Shawn Michaels in 2002, or like were we worried, like can Shawn Michaels really still go in this type of match? And he just wows. But of course, he's going to have the crowd eating out of the palm of his hands. Right. It, I, that's going to help regardless of the fact. But I still think it's going to be a, a really, really good match. And um, Punk going over. I'm sure you're picking Punk too. Yep. Um, again. This will be one of the only times that I ever say this uh, to anybody. But uh, Darby Allen can go ahead and uh, go ahead and hit that snooze button, buddy. Because uh, <laughs> you're going to go to sleep. Yeah. And it's going to be okay. Yeah. And he doesn't have to kill himself either. Like, just let... No, yeah. Let... let I know, know he likes doing a lot of those dangerous high spots, no, and he, he's, he's a very big risk taker. Yeah, this just needs to be a. This doesn't even have to go long. It could be like ten, fifteen minutes. I'm sure they'll get like twenty five to thirty. Um, I mean, depending on how long Punk wants to go. That's the thing I love about Punk is that he's finally going to get to have a lot of say, and he can be that voice mm-hmm. in the back where if they put out an idea. He's like, "No, that's stupid. Like, yeah, we we don't do this direction. We're going to go this way." And not being arrogant about it, it's that this guy knows his business. Like he's been around for so long, right? Um, and no offense to Tony Khan, but sometimes there needs to be somebody in his ear. And I think this is the kind of guy that you want in your ear, telling you like, "Well, maybe we should do this with this character or whatnot." Because um, I know it's more like of a. And Britt Baker has stated this like at a con I was watching her at, where she's like, "It's more of like the inmates running the asylum, where like there's a lot of creative freedom, but." I think gonna, having a guy like Punk back there is going to help for a lot of people and a lot of storylines where if stuff doesn't make sense, he'll say something like, "That's we shouldn't do this. I agree. So, and, and he's finally going to get that that recognition and, and that consideration for his ideas that yeah. he didn't really get way not, back when. It's not even about him like, I want to be the champion. And this. No, it's about like what's smart and what like you know what's the best move. For the story or for the match, and it doesn't even have to benefit him. It's about benefiting everybody, right? And that was that was a lot of the brilliance of Punk's promos from uh, from the moment he dropped the pipe bomb, pipe bomb, and on was he was talking about making the place better for everybody, not just for himself. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, there's that ego in him, but he wants to make the place better for everybody. So, right, there was a lot of foreshadowing and a lot of um, ahead of the curve. With all of that stuff that he did and that he said in WWE, so things are starting to come around full circle and it's, come to fruition. It's really weird, and that's what's made this return like so special and so meaningful for a lot of fans. Like I know he's gotten shit online, but there's he's also had a lot of people come to his defense. But that one guy that was crying in the stands, like this was a big deal for a lot of people. You know, big deal for me too. Like, uh, like I said, he left a real big void when he left WWE for me because he was like that real spark like oh shit like this is the next guy that could take us for the next 10 15 years and you know the way wwe just tried to squander that and squander that and finally they did they broke him to the point where he had to leave yeah like he said i was never gonna get you know heal if he stayed in the same place that made him sick in the first place and like again it's all full circle it's great um and i know we're never gonna be you're never going to satisfy all wrestling fans. I've already seen it. You can weigh in on this, but like, there are already people complaining. Like, why is this CM Punk's first feud? And it's like, hang on, like he has to get reintroduced. You're mm-hmm. not going to put him straight into like a match with like MJF or right. Kenny Omega. Like, we're going to get to build to that. Like, I don't know how long he's going to be here for, but it's going to be a while. So we're going to get all that stuff. And this is just like I said, this is like an out of body like. 
this is going to be like a match where it's just about soaking in the moment and it's not really about who wins or loses even though punk should win but it's more about the aura and just the the, the specialness uh, of cm punk and i can't wait to soak all that in on sunday it's going to be incredible you think we're going to get some sort of like they're going to give them time to do kind of like a kind of like a rock hogan standoff oh yeah and, and just have them stare stare off for for maybe like a solid minute or two and, and just soak in the moment because the crowd is just going to be yeah. eating it up i would also consider this to be very very generational as well because i know that punk's not super old but i know punk has been around for a minute and darby allen is just like this fresh young yeah, star yeah. on the rise so oh there's definitely going to be that i like how they haven't really come face to face in terms i don't know how smaller darby is than punk in terms of height i don't think it's by much so i don't know how don't the face so off, i don't know how the face off would look yeah um but I think we're gonna get some version of that where the crowd's just gonna ah, it's gonna be like where uh, it's gonna be like the it's gonna be like Shield Wyatt yes, family. Yeah, we think of like the Shield and the Wyatt. They're not even they're not even gonna fight. They're just gonna be looking at each other, and the crowd is already gonna be chanting, "This is awesome!" Oh yeah, yeah, definitely. You're gonna get all those chants. You're gonna get. I don't even think they're gonna boo Darby. They're gonna cheer him too. Like they like they like him just as much. Like, there's no there's no reason why they would. Yeah, I no. mean it's not it's not there's nothing at stake here. This is literally just. The enjoyment of the return of CM Punk and people are going to be really excited for a really good wrestling match. Now that we've gotten all that out of the way, um, as far as like, I mean, we can book the territory here. You can uh, imagine stuff. Do you see any surprises at all out happening? Debuts or turns or anything? I was actually going to ask you the same thing, kind of. I was gonna, I was gonna chime in. You, you were already in, in flow. I didn't want to disrupt anything, mm-hmm. so I was actually gonna bring this up. Going back to uh, Kenny Omega versus Christian Cage. Uh, so we talked a little bit off air, and I, I have thus far have been very unsuccessful in terms of finding out any sort of rumors, any sort of dirt, but. Um, if you're a longtime listener to this podcast, then you would know, like I do, that Palace here has gone on record and has brought up the the news that Adam Cole, former NXT World Champion, has had his contract expire with WWE. Not only did his contract expire, but it, it kind of came as a shock somehow, <laughs> came as a shock to the company where nobody realized that his contract had actually came to the uh, came to an end, but. He decided to stick it out all the way through. We saw what could potentially have been his last match at this previous uh, NXT TakeOver 36 with um, uh, Kyle O'Reilly, uh, which was, I-, I would say, a really a really good, decent match. The finish was kind of questionable, yeah. but uh, overall was, was an amaz- uh, amazing match uh, just because of how talented these two are and how well they work together and how they know each other inside and out. Just not in terms of NXT and WWE booking and storytelling, but just their thorough history of, of being together in the indies as well. Mm-hmm. Um, this past Friday was the official be-all, end-all of Adam Cole's contract with WWE. So I know that some way back when, I think before SummerSlam, he had a meeting with Vince at a SmackDown, and I don't know what the results of that was. Is he going to resign with WWE? Is he, is he not? And my, the way that I'm viewing this, and I could be completely reading the situation wrong, is somebody like Adam Cole, 
it's not like he was a mistreated or misused talent. He had a pretty strong uh, run with the NXT title. There was uh, a couple years ago where they had the uh, the NXT invasion going into Survivor Series, and he had really great matches with the likes of Seth Rollins and uh, Daniel Bryan. He went over, right? And he went over in both of those matches, and they really built him as this big star, and Adam Cole is... Another one, uh, similar to a Kenny Omega, who even before his run in WWE had already made a big name for himself in the indies without having WWE as, as a platform to, to make a name. I feel like with, with all of that, granted the way that they handled his contract was, was kind of a, was kind of a fumble. Little, uh, little Easter egg there for your upcoming football podcast. <laughs> but, um, I think that his overall treatment with the company was good, and I feel like with the professional that Adam Cole is, I think by now or sometime in the upcoming future, he would do something to the likes of, you know how you have your your notes app on your phone, you know, you go on your notes app, you, you type something out, you screenshot it, and then he could post it to... Posted to his social media, like his Twitter, just saying, hey, I just want to come out and state for the record that my contract with WWE is up. I opted to not sign. I, I want to pursue other projects and pursue other passions and just see where life takes me. I want to thank the entire WWE and, of course, the WWE Universe and all of the fans for, for the time and all the love that they showed me and the support throughout the years and wish everybody in the company nothing but success. That's That's something that I could see him doing. Uh, just because I don't see him having any reason to be spiteful with the company, but we haven't seen it yet, so we don't really know what the results or what the status of, you know, where where he's going to go into next. But I, I don't know if if, so, if so, so. With that being said, are you predicting an Adam Cole appearance at all out? Or I, you, I I think that would, would be you, the time. Would you lose it? Like, well, the other thing too that I was gonna I, I was almost about to say yes, but then I caught myself because I remembered another point that I was thinking of, and we've kind of been talking about it the the whole episode. You have. CM Punk that just returned that's making his his in-ring debut and you already have uh, these other talents that have been let go by WWE a long time ago whose 90 days are pretty much already up at this point mm. but aside from all of them we're, we're talking about what we already know now we, we're talking about what we already have with AEW and, and CM Punk coming back how do you follow that? Well, like like it's if, all if you're, the, it's all the follow-up you're not going to get as big as Punk like that's just a a once in a lifetime like but if you were if you were going to if you were going to do something if you were going to come in wouldn't you even though you're never going to reach that caliber of a reaction like punk did wouldn't you want to make as big of an impact as you possibly could would this be the right time to to do a run in and, and interfere or like reveal yourself yes only because of the the city they're in chicago it is a big wrestling city so if it were whatever i don't know st louis or Oklahoma, eh, maybe wait a bit and do a debut somewhere else. But the fact that it's all everybody's hearing about these rumors and rumblings, and AW doesn't let this stuff leak. Like the whole thing with Punk, that story leaking, like it leaked out for a reason, like mm-hmm. to build that momentum. And then they, you know, they sold out that United Center without even advertising his name right. or even saying it. So, and even you know, Punk already dropped the Brian Danielson hint on his first promo on dynamite it's like i saw that it's like they're building up all this pop palpable tension there at all out and i think they really want to make this the highest grossing pay-per-view like in the modern era even bigger than like whenever whatever the last wwe one was um 
like actual pay-per-view, not network. Um, I think they really want to make this the biggest pay-per-view of this modern era. Why not just start firing like you know shots, surprises? Because then it's all gonna, we're all gonna, they're gonna follow up with it. They're gonna, it's all you know, the dynamites are gonna become more interesting. The rampages, you know, they're they're gonna be running that show in New York in that tennis stadium. I don't know if you've seen pictures of it, but I had a buddy on Instagram who was at that um, arena or stadium. And it looks incredible in there. I'm like, dude, when that AEW has that show in there and they have all these talents in there under one roof, it's going to be incredible. So, yeah, I would. I mean, I'm going to pop hard if Adam Cole shows up. There's rumblings about, like, I'm going to say 90% right now that Daniel Bryan's going to be, or Brian Danielson is going to be at All Out at some point in some capacity. Now, whether it's a run-in or a, an appearance on the stage or whatever, I think he's going to be the first one to to make a run at the championship where he'll come in automatically and get in. I don't know how they're going to do it. I trust them to to handle it properly, but I think he'll be the first crack at Omega Punk. You want to build to it because that's the ultimate payoff, right? Like, right. I mean, if we're on the same wavelength, right? Like, is that the biggest dream match for you? Is it Punk Omega or is it something else? Or, um, I could even see it being a triple threat. To be honest with you, with Punk Danielson and Omega, mm-hmm. oh fuck, yeah, <laughs> I didn't even ponder that thought. Like, I mean, I'll pop either way, but I, I'm always a fan of triple threats. Like, just, just because, and, and the reason why I'm seeing it as that is because we've we've seen uh, Punk and and Daniel before, or Punk and Danielson before. We know how they work. We know that they can put on an incredibly wrestling, uh, incredible wrestling match, and tell an amazing story, but. You throw Kenny Omega into the fold, especially with how you've built Kenny Omega and you've made him one of your top runners for this company for the last year, year or two. Um, there's no reason why he shouldn't be in that in that picture. I would love that. I would love for Omega to somehow escape those two. Be like, you can't beat me, bang, and you can't beat me, good night, bang. And then be like, well, why don't you fucking fight all three of us, like or both of us at the same time? Yeah. Oh man, that would be such a huge match. Um, you could even build to that, like do the one on ones, and then do this super triple threat or whatever. And um, it might even it might even get to a point too where you could tell the story of you could have it your way uh, to where you elevate uh, Brian Danielson immediately into the title picture, while over here parallel on the side you have Punk telling his story on the rise. And it, it kind of gets to a point where, I don't know, they've Kenny Omega and Brian Danielson have had already so many matches for the title where it's like I'm, I'm sick of you know I'm sick of fighting you, and then Punk comes out and says, hey, you know I've been watching you two for the past X amount number of months now, like you know I'm tired of sitting in the back, like I I want I'm tired of waiting in line, like I want my yeah. shot, and then you could potentially build into a punk versus brian for a number one contenders match or you could just straight up just make it a triple threat and then tell it like that i love that idea so much now i didn't even think about it once and i'm like that's a good idea and then if you bring adam cole into the mix i mean you don't necessarily have to have him for the title but you can shit you can throw him anywhere i think he's gonna thrive have him have, have him build up and then you still have we haven't even considered that this idea isn't even talking about uh hangman page coming back from yeah. whenever, whenever he's gonna return from his and that's gonna from get his a deal pop too yeah the possibilities are just endless and that's why i think 
I'm okay with them firing so many surprises in one night because then it's all going to just lead into all these different things that we can go into and they then they'll have all the momentum and you know I don't think there's any way WWE could counter that for sure. I mean it just based on what we've seen and what they're doing like I don't know they're just thinking they're How how could they? I mean <laughs> The, I, I feel like the not only, even the Rock coming back would do anything. Like oh, I, I hate that idea so much. I love the Rock too much <laughs> I mean, to to have him become the villain in, in terms of the the wrestling community. Like it's it's going to be so bad. Um, I feel like the only ammunition that they could probably they could possibly use if if All Out is going to go the way that we think that we, that it's going to go and, mm-hmm. and it's going to have so much momentum to to add to what's already going towards AEW. I think signing Adam Cole would literally be the only saving grace that they have to to possibly kind of counter what AEW has been doing for the past several months. Mm-hmm. Like you would have to you would have to bend over backwards and offer Adam Cole like if 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 money is is the thing for him and money might not even be a thing. You could offer Adam Cole a ten million dollar contract or something, mm-hmm. and he might still turn it down just because for him it's not about the money. He wants the he wants the recognition. He wants the passion for the mm-hmm. sports. And you know, if, if WWE can't deliver that, and we've seen how they treat the the smaller guys on the main roster, like he might not even go for it. Yeah. But if if Again, going back to if, if WWE is going to get sort, any sort of firepower to kind of counterbalance to any degree what AEW has been doing and what they've been building up for the past several months, that's probably going to be their best bet. That's probably what they're going to have to do. Either way, after Sunday, we're in for a very, very interesting ride with AEW. And it's almost like, for me, it's it's almost become back to the Attitude Era days where it's like, Every week when Wednesday shows up, I'm like, dude, I can't wait for Wednesday whenever Dynamite mm-hmm. happens. Like, it's a show that I've heard, as opposed to it, like, oh, it's Monday, Ross tonight. No, it's like, when is it Wednesday? Like, I want to see what happens on the show. I want to see where the, how the storylines progress. And then if they give us on a cliffhanger, oh, damn, I can't wait till the next following gotta, week. Gotta Friday. tune in. Yeah, it's it's become must see TV, and like, and they're dominating in the ratings. Like, that's incredible for people that say like, oh, wrestling's died off or. It's not as popular as it used to be, and maybe it, not to the heights that it was in the Attitude Era, but it's still pretty damn popular. Like freaking Giannis, whatever was at Rampage. Yep. Like you know they're being mentioned on television, and you know even look at WWE for for all the the bad stuff that they're doing creatively and in the inner workings. Like look at their TV deals and all the sponsors that they have. Like wrestling's just thriving. Like in general, like it's not dead or. You know, somebody tried to come at me on my Facebook like, oh, haha, I didn't even know WWE existed unless you didn't post about it. I was like, shut your mouth. Yeah, whatever. You know, you know. WWE has become, <laughs> it's, it's become total Americana now. It's, yeah. it's, WWE is one of those where if you were trying to travel to, I mean, it's kind of hard to do nowadays, but if you were trying to travel to other countries and you were going to teach about American pop culture, I feel like you would have your your list of recognizable and iconic logos. Mm-hmm. So obviously you'd have the Golden Arches. You'd have the Apple logo. I think the WWE has built itself to where if you put the WWE oh, yeah. logo on there, that would that would totally be symbolic of, of American pop culture. Like mm-hmm. all I'm going to say is this Sunday is going to be super exciting. I can't wait to see what we're going to get. And uh, overall, what a time to be alive as a wrestling right. fan. 
Like, I wish it were all good. Like, yeah. I, you think I hate, or you think I love talking badly or criticizing WWE? Like, I wish, no, I want it to all be fucking good. Like, because at the end, it just benefits all of us. It's not, and I think you're on the same boat with me. I'm not one of these weird people that, like, stands AEW and, like, anti WWE mm-hmm. or, or pro WWE and anti AEW. Like, there's a lot of fans like that on the internet, and I don't get it. Like, if you don't like one of the other companies, fine. Just enjoy the other one. But there's no right. need to, like, you know, pound your chest over either one of them. Like, just love it all. Like, yeah, for sure. That's, 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 that's what I wanted. I mean, if I didn't love WWE, I wouldn't even talk about them at all. But, you know, I also am honest about what I'm seeing. I don't, I'm not some, like, got nothing to hide. I'm not some biased fanboy that's just going to overlook, like, a lot of the flaws that there is. And there's stuff in AEW. I mean, you heard it on this show today. Like, I've criticized the tag team division, you know, the booking of the women's division. Like, there's stuff there. Like, but for the for the most part, AEW right now is just on a more like ninety percent level or delivering on what a lot of us are wanting out of a wrestling product, and they've adapted to today's times. And WWE unfortunately is stuck with Vince McMahon and, and his way of thinking. He's seventy plus years old. Like, he's not going to change his way of thinking. Like. He just thinks the way he thinks, and, you know, he's going to give us the WWE that he wants, and until, like, you know, I hate to say this, until, like, he he passes or, you know, he retires or whatever, like, we're not going to see anything different. So there's no use in, like, I know people that tear down WWE for their job, and it's like, but they do it so angrily. Like, me, I just criticize it. I'm still going to watch it, but I don't know. I just feel you like... Talk about, you talk about going back to... Uh, punk's most famous pipe bomb that that promo that he cut and you were speaking about how a lot of things that he said in that promo were, were coming to fruition and you're, you're really starting to see like the ins and outs of of what he was actually talking about and you yeah. think that uh the company is going to be better off after vince mcmahon is dead or yeah. is it going to get taken over by yeah. his idiotic daughter and his doofus son-in-law <laughs> Is, is it really going to be better off? Yeah. So, I mean, gosh, CM Punk, man. Which, I mean, I, I uh, okay, well, okay, let's, let's be 100% fair here because Triple H having a say so, I mean, Triple H has been kind of the head runner of NXT for, for a while now. And I, I know that NXT is about to go backwards and in another direction and they're, they're going to focus on it solely being more of like a, like a developmental, type of 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 brand. program or brand when when triple h was running it he was doing a pretty good job so maybe triple h having the say so on the main roster wouldn't be such a bad thing yeah. either triple h was a little bit of aw before aw existed like that's where everybody was like this is where we go to watch the wrestling that we want like, right you know he was giving us storylines that made sense and the presentation felt more like rugged you know he had rock bands playing and stuff like that's the shit i grew up on like you know through the late attitude era and the and the ruthless aggression era like yeah like this is the wrestling i love and then i mean once AEW came around like i mean hey, sorry to say but you know nxt just became a very stale product and even like even as a even as a pre even pre you know trying to take nxt and make it its own brand alongside of raw and smackdown even when it was just a developmental style of program, it's still focused on 
all of the wrestling and not trying to be uh, a superstar. Yeah. And you still had drop dead phenomenal matches like Samoa Joe, Finn Balor, yeah. Sasha Banks, Bailey, uh, Kevin Owens, Sami Zayn. Uh, so there, there still could be some promise with what they're going to do. And in reality, if, if you think about it, because I've kind of talked about it a bunch in this episode as well, AEW, in a sense, is still kind of a developing show. Mm-hmm. And they're arguably kind of also a, a very developmental style where you still have a lot of these younger indie guys, men and women, who who are just now learning how to work in front of cameras. And so that's why you have all of these, you know, your Paul White, Christian Cage, Sting, Chavo Guerrero. You have all of these older guys, these veterans that are kind of taking the younger talent and allowing them to ask questions backstage and showing them the ins and outs of Mm -hmm. this is how you work, like try to do this more, try to do this less. And, you know, AEW right now is still kind of a developmental property, but they just do – they just – they're just head and shoulders above in terms of their execution with it. And don't get me wrong, like that show is like continuously evolving. Like it's dynamite is not the same show it was like a year ago. Oh, if you think about absolutely it. not. It and they'll change course if stuff is not clicking. Like we all remember, I think this was before right at the start of the pandemic. I think it was the end of twenty nineteen, where they were doing some weird stuff with the Dark Order and and the Young Bucks and the and the Elite, and it was like. I don't know. It was just very sour, and you know, a lot of people like said that that wasn't good, and they changed course, and you know that they're a continuously evolving television show. And again, I'm going to be curious to see how the show evolves now that you're bringing in veteran star power. I mean, no offense to Omega and you know the Bucks and even Cody, but CM Punk and Brian Danielson are way bigger stars than them. Would you admit that? Yeah, that just because like of how legit stars, <laughs> just because of how white hot they were in, in the times of WWE. Cause even like, even Cody's run in the WWE, like Cody could take a character that they gave him and he could knock it out of the park. No problem. But Cody never really had that established star power to the, to the caliber of like a CM Punk or, or Daniel Bryan. And that's where I hope like egos don't get in the way. Like, I mean, it's, it's inevitable at some point you're going to come across somebody like oh like you think you're better than me or whatever i really hope that omega and the bucks i know they're evps of that company i really do they they hope they take in like punk and danielson and like their ideas and whatnot right and not just be like well we know what wrestling is now like no these these guys were there at the machine like and they they overcame the machine Mm -hmm. and they and they got over huge on a biggest platform you could imagine right so i hope that they are able to collaborate together and if they do that then that company is just going to grow and get even better so for sure that's my only trepidation i guess is that the right word that's my only like thing that's weighing on my mind as far as like well this could like derail easily because you get so much of that talented people together and in styles it's gonna combust at some point like wasn't there like I mean, I still watch Being the Elite. I watch it now more because of what's starting to happen. But, like, Cody used to be all involved with that, and I don't really see him in that anymore or with the Elite. I don't know if they've had, like, differences in the back and and whatnot. I know there's been rumblings of it, but, I mean, I uh, your Your guess is as good as mine because I, I, I honestly haven't heard anything in terms of, like, any sort of friction between them. 
Uh, I was actually going to say that I know that Cody and Brandy just had their babies, so right, that, right. that could have a big chunk of, of like, But even before that, Cody was kind of, like, way, like, not involved in anything. Like, yeah. Because wasn't there points in, like, the Dynamites where, or the early Dynamites where Cody would get beat up and, like, the Bucks or Omega wouldn't come and help him? Yeah. Like, I don't know. I just, it was very weird, and I think it was a real thing, but I don't know what the real story is, but... I think there was a little bit of friction there, but and I think Cody mentioned it in his final promo before Malachi Black, which is somebody else we haven't even fucking talked about. That's it's true. not on this yeah. card, but yeah. he, that guy's uh, an incredible threat right now in terms of character and what they're doing with him. Why, why do we have to have QT Marshall and Paul White? Why couldn't we Malachi have Cody Black Rhodes and or yeah, Cody Rhodes versus Malachi Black two or something? Malachi Black versus I don't know. Whoever, give me that guy on the card. Like, um, I hope he does something on the show. Maybe we'll. I mean, imagine if uh, Eddie Kingston won. Yeah, Malachi Black show up. Like, hey, I'm next. You know, just to move it forward and yeah, just pop know, up on the screen, have the you, lights turn off, and just cut a promo kind of thing. Or even even him and John Moxley. You got to run with Malachi Black. Like, don't leave him. And I mean, the whole thing with Arn Anderson, whatever. If if the storyline is still with Cody, cool. Like, if you're gonna finish that down the road, but while he's gone filming his television show or whatever, like, you got to build up Malachi Black, and you know he really should have. Well, again, we're. Recording this on a Tuesday, folks, they may add another match, possibly. So, I mean, it's not out of the realm that they could add a Malachi Black match, um, even if it's in even even if it's in the buy-in. If just oh hell no, I wouldn't even put it on the buy-in. Put him in the even if it's a squash match, p- just have him appear because you don't want him to leave the consciousness. Like oh shit, like I almost forgot that he was <laughs> yeah on on the roster, and we've been talking this whole almost what two hours and. This is the first time we mentioned Malachi Black, and he's been one of the incredible standouts. Like, as far as like, he's probably the best one so far, of terms of WWE guys coming over, and it not like, oh, maybe he was a flop over there. With that, without it being any, without there being any sort of like, there was no doubt on it. Like he yeah. just came in and fucking kicked ass. Like, was it? He popped up in the dynamite we went to, right? That's where the whole Cody. I think he fight happened. I think he. I think he actually debuted prior to that. I think that was already building by the time it got to but, us. But they, but they fought on that on that dynamite, right? Like they not in a, in a match, but like they, they, they yeah, yeah, yeah. It. Mm-hmm. So like, our, this guy just nailed it right out of the park. So yeah, that, that's another guy, Malachi Black. Uh, he should be on every show. Like, <laughs> just use up this talent while you got them. I mean. We've been talking about dream matchups. I can't wait for a punk Malachi Black match. That's going to be a good one. The GTS versus the whatever he's, I don't know, he's calling the kick in uh, AEW. I don't think it's called the Black Mass anymore. I think that was a. I was going to say fade to black, but I'm probably 100% wrong. Well, either way, that move versus the GTS, Mm -hmm. that's money right there. There's money with him and Danielson. Like, there's just all these opportunities. Excuse me. Um,. Well, that's all out. That's on Sunday. Um, did you want to pivot to your "what if" question that you have for me? Uh, yeah, we might, might as, about it a little. Bit. Might as well, uh, just because it's a it's a smoother transition. Because I know that there's something else that you want to talk about. But mm-hmm. since we're still in, then since we're still in the realm that we're in, um, we'll go ahead and do this. And I, I actually came to this. This mm-hmm. thought popped into my head. Uh, 
actually that same night right after Punk made his debut on a uh, on on Rampage. So I I've kind of been thinking about how WWE has just I mean, you have you have these guys that produce WWE matches and and they're not just a bunch of nobodies. These are guys we're talking that have a wealth of knowledge and experience with the business and the industry and I don't want to say that because we're talking about a multi-million dollar company, of course, that's just grown over the last, you know, and sat atop the throne, the throne over the past couple of decades or more. They're, they're making themselves out to be incompetent. And I mean, it, it just, it, it baffles my mind how the things that have been happening over the months and months and months of, of all of these releases and these cuts and the talent that they just let go, go to waste. I'm not one for big to be on big on conspiracy theories and I'm not going to sit here and say like, Oh, maybe it's just a work and that there's going to be just some big swerve that, that comes out of nowhere. And it, it's all of a sudden just going to be on the rise again kind of thing. But there's no way that you could be that your product can turn this sour so quick. Um, and so the thought that I was having was with CM Punk now debuting with AEW and everything that's come to light, everything that he's come on the record and say, what would have happened? What would the wrestling landscape look like today? If let's say CM Punk had never walked out. So WWE had actually did what they said they were going to do. They listened to the fans and they said, all right, you want punk? We're going to give you punk. Punk wants to be in the main event. We'll put him in the main event of WrestleMania. But we're still talking about WWE here. So we're not, we're not letting them be too totally submissive. WWE pushes punk, but they push punk as the version of CM Punk that they want as the company's CM Punk, not CM Punk as his true self. As, from a personal standpoint as a fan as well as from the there's there's many scopes to look through this as as a fan of just a your average casual wrestling fan and from the standpoint of the company and just the pro wrestling community as a whole what would that look like what what would be what would we be talking about today if this had played out the way that it did so the only thing i forgot to ask you and i don't mind improving and off the cuff answering this for uh, for you but uh, are we talking post the pipe bomb or are we talking before the walkout of the Royal Rumble, like where that was his last appearance? Are we talking how, how it would have played off from the pipe bomb on in my in my head, like how they should have done it? So so the pipe bomb still happens. Yeah. money. We still got the money in the bank match. Uh-huh. He comes back that following night on Raw or like that following week on Raw and mm-hmm. faces off against Cena. We still have all of that. I'm talking... I'm talking Royal Rumble 2014. Oh, you're talking from there on. From there on, yes, because oh, okay. that 2014 they, they, Rumble they took all his frustrations into account and and all that stuff, and they actually listened. Okay, cool. We're gonna yeah, we're gonna turn the course. Mm-hmm. So we're saying because because 2014 Royal Rumble that Raw was the day that he officially left. Right. So if they so if they had actually come to some sort of settlement and and they actually compromised and they said you know what we can't deny this guy any longer. We're, we're gonna we're gonna give him what he wants. We're gonna give the fans what they want to see, and then from that point on, and so, ideally, that following night on Raw, he shows up. He never left. Mm-hmm. So from there going forward, I think we're still. I don't even know if Punk would still be here today. Like I feel like this is a guy that knows when he wants to 
finish his career and whatnot. I know he's he had the long layoff. He's come back now, but um, if it were if that run had continued and we're still in twenty twenty one, I think he would already be done, or it's in some capacity would still be involved or whatever promotional appearances or whatever. I don't think much would have changed because of the way things played out post the pipe bomb where like they kind of neutered it where it's like yeah it was cool to have him like as champion or whatever but they didn't really push him to be like the guy like remember what was one of the biggest things that punk said like post that pipe bomb like how many calls he got from companies wanting to endorse him sponsor him you know put him like on a bigger level like slim jims or whatever for example but wwe's like no no to none of that but then brock lesnar shows up and gets to have jimmy johns on his shorts or whatever right it's like dude punk was trying to bring more viewers outside of the wrestling bubble to to the product so i think even if they had decided to push punk into the main event whatever of that mania that year let's say we don't get daniel bryan at wrestlemania 30 we don't get the yes movement um and they put punk in that spot against a, a triple h or whatever for the belt i think even if it were the main event i still think it's in terms of the popularity, it it's not going to get to where it would have gotten had they had just listened to Punk the first time after the pipe bomb, and they had really opened those doors, let him get those sponsorships, those movie roles, uh, you know, actually have him main event pay per views and and storylines, and you know, you don't have The Rock come back in 2011 or when did he come back? Yeah, 2011 doesn't do that or does that whole thing with cena but it doesn't overshadow what punks are doing with the title scene and right you know putting his name out there in the mainstream whether it be in you know whatever popping up in snickers commercials he gets the ice cream bars going you know just turns into like this huge public figure the next basically the next hulk hogan of our time the next austin the next cena but with the way it played out and we go all the way to Royal Rumble 2014 where you had already watered him down because he had already lost to The Undertaker. Mm-hmm. He lost to The Rock. He lost to Brock Lesnar. It's like, dude, like you didn't give him any of these big wins over any of these guys to elevate him or to make him feel like he's one of those top stars. So I think even if they had changed course for a little bit and put him in the main event of Mania and pushed him like, yeah, you're you're one of our top guys, but not really putting the machine behind him. I think we're we're still like in the same position that we are today, as far as like where the product is. So, do you think? Because do you think that AEW exists, or do you think that we get it when we did without Punk walking out of the WWE? Because Punk not only because if Punk never if Punk never walked out, then. I'm not saying that it would have never happened, but if Punk didn't walk out, then we wouldn't have gotten that podcast right away with Colt Cabana. That that exposes the ins and outs, and and, you know he really gets out all of his frustrations for shoot Mm -hmm. uh, on on the company. Um, And then of course, as you had stated, the Yes movement never happens. Um, So does does. I think it's still just a WWE like it was from like 2000. Let's say 2000, the PG era. From like 2008 Eight to, to 2013, 14-ish, 15? Yeah. Where it's just that, like, WWE exists. Like, it's not a bad show. It's just a show. 
I think that's what it, it would still be today. Like, I don't know if AEW would exist. Um, probably not because it would have to have everything was like to a boiling point, right? Because the punk, the punk stuff really was the catalyst for a lot of this stuff that eventually exactly trickled down. So maybe maybe 2014 they they push Punk and they give Punk the championship and they let him start they start letting to him to have these main event matches that that he needs to be in uh, on these pay per views and and being on Raw all of the time. Yeah. Um, you know maybe he could also elevate. We could have seen like a like a Punk Seth Rollins or he could have yeah, elevated yeah. even like a Cody Rhodes. So Cody Rhodes could have possibly have never left WWE either until later on. And so again the emergence of AEW might not happen uh until later later on so we might even we might not even have it now today so the the stars of AEW st- might still be running around either in the indies or maybe they maybe a lot of these stars sign with NXT yeah well like i said it wouldn't be it wouldn't be the WWE that it is now like where it's just i don't know what the hell's how it just went so yeah. far downhill i th- again it would just be the WWE that from like 2008 to 2000 like late 2000 or early 2014 where it's just there i think you have some of these guys come over like an omega makes jump ship signs you know has a run there the bucks come and sign i think they 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 were offered a contract with wwe at some point i know that they were like i know they got jobbed out like way early early on like ruthless aggression era Mm -hmm. To early 2000s but i think it's just wwe is still the bit the top dog which they still are but you know what I mean? Like, there's nothing else around it. You still have your indie scene, but there's really nothing big to kind of give it any sort of real no. competition. Mm-mm. So, really, that punk walkout really it changed everything. If you really think about it, if you look, you know, in hindsight, like it really was the catalyst. But again, it was that podcast that really like opened a lot of eyes. It really, it really changed the way I saw WWE in terms of like how they view things backstage and promises that are aren't kept and i think it also kind of changed the way that that the fans not only thought about the company but it also changed the way that the fans reacted to how wwe was trying to produce like their next biggest star so you think back to like that's why a lot of the roman reigns exactly yeah you think about how they were trying to promote him so much and the fans dictated like no you're you're trying to you're trying to tell us that we need to cheer for this guy you're trying to put him over like we're gonna boo him mm-hmm. we're gonna cheer who we want to cheer for and it all came from that insight that insightful podcast episode yeah. another thing to consider too that i also thought about is uh, again going back to his physical condition so if he had actually stuck around longer like they like they said okay we'll we'll put you in the main event of wrestlemania like you can have that you can have the championship back like you can have your big run and we'll you know, we'll, we'll give you that push. Yeah. What would that have done to his body, like long term? Like if he never actually walked out and, and actually got himself some good rest and actually well, do healed. You remember like, that podcast where he was like, "I would have died" because it ended up being like what, like a huge infection, staph infection, or yeah, something. It's I think. like, let's say, well, you know, Punk's like the ultimate competitor and like total company guy. If they're telling him you're going to get the title back, you're going to main event Mania, you're going to go on this huge like run. He would have of done course, he's going to be like, "Fuck yeah, I'm going to go everything that he could have to, to to make it to every show." Yeah, yeah, and I mean, probably would have something bad could have happened like to him physically, and you know, either he sustains like very, very career-ending injuries or even worse, death. Like, you know, it, in hindsight, it was a good thing that he walked out. Yeah, 
forget the fandoms and like ah oh, you know we want him here and whatever but he was in really bad physical shape and if you watch a lot of those smackdowns and raws where like you could tell like he doesn't look right and even that royal rumble uh, you can tell like something's off with him physically like he's just he's not all there so yeah no it's good when he he walked when he did and uh of course if of course if this scenario plays out if if he never walked out and we never got that podcast we would have not known this information so we would never would have seen it all coming. right yeah so if it happened would have been like well, yeah it would have been like what, what the happened hell? yeah what's going on then ww would have a bigger pr problem like mm. there'd be a lot of questions as to you know steroids drugs or whatever you know because there's always there's always that stigma when a wrestler dies especially if it's like a young wrestler still like active or it's like well what's going on with your protocols and your medical and all this stuff right now it's like they don't even mess i think even since post the punk thing they don't really mess with anything anymore if anybody's got like a concussion or anything of that they'll remove them off the show oh yeah they really don't mess around anymore because they saw what happened in the fallout with punk like there was a lot of lawsuits and just a lot, bunch of shit. So, if anything, Punk changed the outsider industry for the better, as opposed to like you know it exposed the top dog for you know it's not the it's not the fun and happy place everybody makes it out to be. Right. It's not. A, Although it is for some people there. Yeah. You know we can't. You know a lot of people are very grateful for the money that they make there, and some of them like. Like a Tyler Breeze is happy to sit in catering, making money, not doing anything. Cool. Some people actually have goals and, you know, things that they want to accomplish in wrestling. So it's a good what if, but again, it would just, not, not much would have really changed. There, there wouldn't be the, the benefits, there, there wouldn't be as many benefits that outweighed the costs if it had played out differently rather than the way that we have it now. Cause the way that we have it now, exposed so much truth and so many people gain yeah. so much knowledge and, and can have different perspectives and i mean i mean we not only got the punk podcast we got the the dean ambrose john moxley yeah. podcast on talk is jericho and you know so many so many people have been mistreated and they've they've aired it out but now we have what we have and we have a different platform and, and a different property to 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 kind of view and, and to enjoy and so well like fans like we paid a price for it right like yeah we suffered through a lot of this bad like creative and all that for years but it's finally paying off because we have this whole new company now and like you said full circle with punk coming back it's like it means a big deal because that's the guy that really started that revolution and uh like i said like i'm not even mad anymore if wwe is bad it's bad i already know where to go to where i can rely on Good coherent storytelling, storytelling yeah. and, and just fun characters to watch like what i do i wish it was all good of course but i the done are the days of me like oh like when is it ever going to be good again like no i there's a place where you can go where it's good but you know wwe i'll never leave it just because you know it's what i grew up with like i for better or worse but it doesn't get me down anymore if it's bad it's just eh. It, raw was raw or smackdown was smackdown but dynamites on the wings I'm we'll see, we'll see if they we'll see if they'll figure it out yeah so um last topic here before we wrap it up uh and we've gone at length folks but thank you for tuning in with us uh, this is a huge wrestling show but let's turn off the wrestling uh 
little brains of ours for a little bit. Let's let's turn on our movie brains. Um, Spider-Man, No Way Out. Yes, folks, one more time. I do know that it's called No Way Home. I'm not even mad. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm not even mad. <laughs> I, I, it's a wrestling thing. Uh, if you get it, you get it. If you don't, you don't. Um, a trailer was finally released for this movie last week. And we are what? Late August? This movie supposed to come out in December. And they're barely releasing a teaser now. And usually a teaser comes like months and months before the actual final trailer. Even, so, a, even a year, right? Arguably. Even a year before, as for as big a movie this is. Um, so there was a lot of mystery behind it. What's going on? What's it going to be about? Are they actually going to release the movie? Are they going to delay it? So all these rumblings. There was even I had a talk with another buddy, Tyler uh, Bishop, who's been on this show, who said, you know, there's even talks of them even. Marvel being as arrogant as to not even release a trailer at all, and just the movie comes out and y'all go see it. And I was like, whoa, that would have been a choice. But anyway, this trailer has come out. I have my thoughts on it. I'm going to see the movie. I, I, I'm i sure as we get closer to it, I'll get more excited for it. I love these new Spider-Man movies. Um, but I have a lot of questions as far as like stuff that has happened in the trailer and I know trailers can be mis- misleading, and I'll get to my questions to Brandon in just a second. Uh, but first of all, how excited are you that we finally got a look at Spider-Man No Way Out, our first look? I'll be I'll be 100% brutally honest. I would have been completely fine if – because we already knew the movie was going to happen. Like you're going to see the movie, right? You're yeah. You're going to go see it. I would have been okay with just going it to completely dark and completely fresh just to see what was up. Huh. Um you know, even even the little teasers that they did when they were trying to determine what the title of the movie was going to be, and and having the whole thing with Zendaya and Tom Holland, and wasn't it know, like phone home at some point? I was like, that's what it's called. Yeah, exactly. Like they just totally worked us. Yeah, it was it was really it was really good, um, and and that sparked a whole lot of like even in the Marvel fandom that sparked a whole lot of like conspiracies and what ifs like. Uh, I, I remember my my former manager at work. She's a huge Disney and Marvel buff, mm-hmm. um, and she's on Twitch and everything. Uh, but she was like, "Oh, I, I need to I need to go back and rewatch that little skit that they did because they walked past the marker board and it had like all these <laughs> all these different layouts and, and different stuff, and there could be Easter eggs in it." And she was also saying like, "Oh, they had uh you know they had three different uh, they had three different Spider Man titles." And how many Spider-Man are there? Multiverse, like oh, it, yeah, yeah. It, it. It sparked a whole lot of conversation, and people were already excited for it. I was already excited for it when the day came when I woke up and I went onto Twitter, and there were already so many posts about the trailer leaking. Like it hadn't even been officially oh, right, right, released right, right, right. yet. It was just the trailer leaked. It was like that's it happened on because this thing got released like on a Monday, I think, right? Because it was like Sunday. Because I remember, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. People were sending me like videos. I think it was Tucker that sent me a video. <laughs> He's like, "Watch this before they take it down." And I was like, "What? Why would I want to watch a bootlegged of a trailer?" Right. I did anyway. But just a, it was an unfinished version of it with no mm-hmm. <laughs> special effects. So I was already laughing my ass off. Um, but then we got the real trailer the next day. So I was so temptation. Temptation is the enemy. Temptation yeah, yeah, yeah. gets the better of us, and and people are tempted depending on what you're talking about. So as soon as I saw reports of the trailer being leaked, I admittedly and shamefully went looking for it. I found it 
and I clicked on the link and I was almost about to hit play until I realized like I don't want to watch a recording of a trailer that looked like it came from the other side of somebody's like Motorola razor or something. Yeah. So <laughs> I decided to close out of it and, and behave. And then the trailer officially got released. I watched it one time. Oh, okay. I thought I was, I was getting ready to say like, I watched it one time. And at no point after that, after watching that, that I decided to just go into the science and, and try to break anything down and make sense of anything. The first and only thing I did after watching that trailer was do my little fan fiction post on Facebook that I tagged everybody in and that was it. And when I said I need all of it, I don't need any more trailers. I don't need any more background about what the movie is going to be about. I just want to walk into the movie with what I already have. And I just want to let it play out. Okay. Here's where my, Oh gosh, where do I start with this? You know me, you know how much I want stuff to to mean mean things like I like steaks. I love the Far From Home ending. Holy shit, he gets revealed as Spider Man. Like, yeah. what the fuck? Like, haven't seen that before in a movie. Like, well, kind of saw it in Spider Man too, but that was the nice little train scene where everybody saw him without mm-hmm. the mask. Yeah, we won't tell anybody. Fucking amazing scene. And again, the, the, what I loved before I get into it, before what I loved about this trailer is that I've seen so much more love for Spider-Man Two, Sam Raimi's Spider-Man Two, which I think to me is still the greatest Spider-Man movie in the history of Spider-Man movies. Uh, if you've never seen it, go watch it. I know a lot of the youngins are only used to the Tom Holland version. There was there was a trilogy before this, and not not the Andrew Garfield, and that's another topic it's technically not even a trilogy that was only two movies but was it oh yeah it felt like it was forever but um there was a trilogy before the sam raimi trilogy with toby mcguire they're not as they've kind of gotten a cult following and i'm part of that cult the like where at first i thought they were okay but over time they've really grown on me but spider-man 2 to me is just far and beyond like just the greatest fucking one of the greatest comic book movies ever made i think i have enough like it's in my top five for sure, like of all time greatest comic book movies. Um, so I love stakes in movies, right? We had Endgame and all this stuff. Everything played out and it had a finality to it. I was like, oh, it's awesome. Like, we went through a journey. Awesome. Like, what's next? Oh, okay, we're hearing about the multiverse. Oh, they can just bring back whoever whenever they want. They can erase timelines. They can do all this. And I remember saying, like, is anything going to fucking matter anymore? Or are they just going to... And I know this is how it is in comics. And they bring back people from the dead. And, you know, there's multiple versions of a Spider-Man or whatever. The first thing I see in this trailer is like, Hey, can we uh, can we do something where nobody ever found out I was Spider-Man? And I was like, what? Like, that's the whole... That was the whole intriguing thing of the ending of Far From Home. Was like, how do you follow that up? Like... Living in a world where everybody knows you're Spider-Man. That's an interesting story in itself. Not doing the whole, like, hey, wipe everybody's minds clean. We're going to men in black this shit. But we're going to, in doing that, fucking create this fucking wormhole where we open up the multiverse and all hell's going to break loose. And the other thing that bothered me was, like, there was so much Doctor Strange in this. It's like, isn't this a Spider-Man movie? Like... I get the crossover and the and all that stuff, but can it just be like about Spider Man, like without the MCU? 
having to have its whole little like arms around it like i don't know man like i'm gonna see the movie i'm sure i'll be it'll win me over but when i watched this trailer i was just like god damn like they really had a chance to make a real spider-man story here and now it's just a puzzle piece to a larger story with the multiverse and wherever this is gonna go right um but my question for you and what where i was scratching my head was the Doctor Strange uh, spell and all this, like, he could reverse this or whatever? And it's like, why didn't this fucking guy just reverse Thanos ever grabbing any of the stones? Like, what what was to stop him in Infinity War? It'd be like, oh, I can do something where, like, whatever, Thanos never grabs a hold of whatever. And I was like, that's a plot hole for me. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. What are your thoughts or what are your what is your response to my diatribe just there? Um, well, first off, I'm not going to say you're wrong because, you know, you, you, you feel and, and you react and experience things different than I do sometimes. Um, I don't even know where, where I should start because there's a lot that I, there's a lot that I can say about that. Um, okay, start with the whole MCU having to have its, whole thing around it as opposed to it just being a self-contained that i mean spider-man is, story is that not the way of the world nowadays i mean I, I, I mean i know marvel isn't the only one guilty of doing it but everybody seems to be uh dipping their toes into like well, having these crossovers well, hang on though because dc's starting to backpedal on that and they're really starting to focus more on their solo stories are just going to be the, their stories like wonder woman 1984 had nothing to do with you know, any Easter eggs for Superman or whatever. Right. It was more a self-contained story. Could you bring in other characters from that world? Like, they exist, but they don't have to be in that story. It's just by itself. That's I mean, what I'm talking about. Yeah, and not not every property in the world, like, not every not everything is all about crossing, crossing over just for the sake of a, a bigger style of storytelling. But I'm saying that there are still crossovers that exist. I mean, that was the whole premise of Batman v Superman right, was right. just a setup movie for the Justice League, kind of kind of thing. Mm. Um, you know, wrestling. What we just finished wrapping up about is is starting to break the the forbidden doors down, and, and AEW is starting to work with different promotions. And could yeah, that yeah. be something that we see more of in the future? Like, I know we're we're talking to apples and oranges here because I, I understand what your point is. It's these are not just solo movies. These are just starting to be, and you also start to incorporate like the 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 shows on Disney Plus like everything is going to mm. play a factor into the cinematic universe and you have to really keep up with a whole lot to be able to understand you know what you're about to witness going into the movie um I'm okay with it and with with this being just the teaser trailer I know that a lot of Doctor Strange has been exposed but we I know it could be misdirection, too. We, yeah, we still don't really know what his actual role or how heavy his role in the movie is actually going to be. He could all, he could honestly just open up this this multiverse and, and, you know, bring about these different characters. But he could easily just say, all right, hey, I need to, you know, we, we've tampered with the multiverse. I, I need to go do something. And then he goes away for a good chunk of the movie. And that could honestly be the lead up of his his multiverse in the madness movie is right, right. what he does when he's not with Peter Parker, when he's not with Spider-Man. I don't know how much you want to dive into it, but um, another thing I read, but this was, again, everything that I'm, you know, 
showcasing emotion to you about this was after like my first viewing of the trailer yeah but could this also be like uncharacteristic where it maybe it's not really him maybe it's mysterio still alive and because wasn't that mysterious thing where you could like transform and manipulate to act like he was like you know what i mean like it was an illusion like maybe him with dr strange is a, a whole illusion and that whole thing of the multiverse thing is i don't know yeah but the end of far from home was was watching him he he passed away and but, he, are, and, are, but are is anyone ever really dead mm. in, in the comic book world that, that was my whole thing because like the the thing just seemed very uncharacteristic of dr strange and um again my biggest gripe was just the whole like well can we just erase everybody's mind and let them forget about it? i was like dude and and this and this movie is the continuation of that story of of the reveal of, of peter parker being spider-man mm-hmm. we don't really know what the payoff of the movie is going to be like if it's actually going to like if people's minds are actually going to be erased when mm-hmm. this whole multiverse opens up so it could very well be like because uh, who was it? Wong told him not to to cast that spell, and yeah, so yeah. he could have easily have botched something in the spell and just screwed everything up. And right. that's why we have these all of these doors opening up to different universes. And the spell could have like easily not have actually accomplished anything at all, except mm. open up all these wormholes. And that's what the main conflict of the movie yeah. is. Are we like in a in a CM Punk territory here, where hasn't been announced, hasn't been words haven't been uttered from anybody but like are you expecting toby and andrew garfield to be in this movie is it like one of those where it's like nobody said it but it's probably gonna happen i feel like i feel like it would be <laughs> i don't want to say i feel like it would be dumb for it not to but i think that from what it's leaning towards and what they're trying to accomplish here like why why else would they bring back alfred molina as as doc ock and then tease a little Sam Raimi esque style goblin pumpkin bomb electro, thing, right? yeah. So, I I, re- I really think that's that's what the buildup is, especially it's, if they're gonna if they're gonna visit the idea of of multi multiple universes. It's and it's, it's still gonna, a Sony product too. So it's gonna be a fun moment. I'll I'll even probably mark out for it. It's gonna be great, like to see them. If I mean again, nothing's advertised, nothing's been said, officially stated. But if they all show up together on the same screen, even if they do that fucking Spider-Man meme where they all point at each other, like, everyone's going to lose their mind. I just hope for... I just miss the days of a, like, complete self-contained story, which is why I love Spider-Man 2 so much. Like, it was... I mean, if you think about it, it was the smallest stakes of that whole Spider-Man trilogy because it was really... It was an inner conflict. It was, like... And I've I, I've said this on on a previous podcast. That movie was about like, what if you what if you can't have it all as a superhero? Like, it has to be one or the other. Mm-hmm. What if your destiny is greater than what you desire? Like, he wanted to be with MJ, but you know his destiny is to be Spider Man, and his responsibilities were yeah, too great. That outweighed what he wanted. And I love that that movie posed that question. Now, given like you know, however that movie ended, it ended the way it did. But I like that throughout that movie there was that conflict, and even the villain like the doc ock i hope here in this movie like he wasn't really like a villain villain in the sam raimi movie it was just like i mean he did some villainous things but by the end hadn't he redeemed himself like he self-sacrificed himself to save uh it was really it was really it wasn't so much the human 
Otto Octavius that was the villain. It was the the arms that yeah, overtook yeah. him, and and like they, he had a he had a chip inhibitor that connected yeah, yeah. to his you know to his nucleus to his brain right. that could allow him complete control over the over the the arms. But when he had that accident of trying to do that nuclear fusion reactor deal. And he woke up. The ship was disabled. Mm. It was destroyed, and so the arms had completely taken over, and, and sort of in a way, were acted like a kind of like a voice, like they were kind of talking to him yeah, in, yeah, in his yeah. head, and he was kind of listening to what they were saying, and that's that's why he started doing, you know, all of the heists, and because he was trying to he was trying to prove it was it was more of like a prove yourself kind of story for him, like a redemption yeah, yeah. story almost, because he wanted to prove like, oh, I can pull this thing off, like I can do. You He's know, harness scientist. harness this natural energy of of the sun and and make all of this sustain sustainable energy for the world to be able to use. So he wanted to prove that he could pull it off, and it's just the the arms, talk the toxicity of the arms, I guess, yeah. that kind of got into his mind to to kind of turn into the quote unquote villain. I just hope that it just doesn't. Tur- I mean, it's become a mean now. The hello, Peter. Like, there's a mean for everything. oh, ev- yeah, everything. <laughs> I love it. Um, but I just hope it's not turned into just like a ha ha ha, Peter Parker, like. I'm back, and it's just like you undo all of that character work that Sam Raimi did in those movies, and he, now he's just because he's part of the Sinister Six or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like, now he's just like a villain for like no reason, like you know what I mean? Like that's that's my only like fear on this, but you know people are gonna mark out or whatever. Like I get it, but those were just my my initial like just ugh, of this trailer like. Yes, by the time we get close to the movie, I'll get excited. We'll all watch it, and we'll all... I'm sure it's going to be a good movie. Like, I own the other two. Like, they're great movies. Like, um, especially, the, like, Homecoming was great. Like, just... Yeah, it had the Iron Man effect in it, but for the most part, it was a Peter Parker story. Like, exactly. That's what I liked. And this one just feels like it's already, like, all wrapped up in that little MCU bubble, and it's not really a... A Spider-Man story anymore. It's just like, oh, was that Daredevil? Oh, is that oh, oh, is that you know? Who, you know, we're just always hunting for these Easter eggs, as opposed to just like for what the next big, here's thing, the story. big thing is going to be. Yeah, here's the story. The story is about Peter Parker. Like at the end of Far From Home, like I know somebody tried to answer my question, but it's like at the end, what was that movie really about? Like other than just setting up the next thing, like it was just like a palate cleanser after Endgame. Like I don't know. I feel like there could have been more to that story. There was too much of the uh, Iron Man was my dad kind of thing, as opposed to like him. Like, <laughs> let the focus be on Peter Parker. Like, well, there, there I seem, I, I feel like there seems to be kind of like a formula for every Spider-Man sequel, and it started with Tobey Maguire's Spider-Man Two. Even taking a look back at the Amazing Spider-Man Two, like every single second Spider-Man sequel has always been that inner conflict where he wants something more than just being the superhero. Cause mm-hmm. he's, you know, he's this younger teenage in just barely out of high school in high school type kid. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so in, uh, in far from home, he wanted that relationship with, with Zendaya, with, with MJ. And he wanted just to live a normal life. Like he didn't even want to bring his suit with him, uh, on his school field trip or, mm-hmm. or the, the trip that they took on, but mm-hmm. Aunt May packed it for him just in case kind, kind of thing. Um, and with having with having that the uh the story for far from home was coming to that revelation that you know he he needs to do what's 
what's best for the whole and not what's best for the self. And it was really, I think the overall story was just the, the post. I think that, I think that was really the, the last that we're going to see of, of, uh, I hope. So that, that's the one thing that worries me about this upcoming movie is I don't want them to keep going back and referencing the blip or, or end game. Like I want it to be past that. Like, like move, I think far, far from home was, was supposed to be like life after the blip and, and what was happening in, in their universe after everybody got snapped back mm. to life five years later. Yeah. Um, and in the midst of all of that, you had everything with, with Mysterio and they even went back to, to the civil war and the whole, uh, what is it? The, the, the glasses, the thing. virtual reality yeah. glasses that, uh, that, that got him upset in the first place. Cause he used to be a, a shield or he used to be a, a Stark employee, right, right. Stark industries employee. <laughs> that was going to be the other thing too. Cause I, I, you had brought up the gripe of like, not, um, you know, not having any stakes and, and all that. So there are a couple of pages that I follow on on YouTube, uh, and you might be familiar with them as well. So one of them is Cinema Sins, okay, yeah. where he he kind of he takes different movies and he kind of rips on the the logic of of every scene, or like he goes scene by scene and rips on the logic and like, oh well, if if, if the movie is telling me this, like why couldn't they done A, B, and C? And then there's also uh, another page called How It Should Have Ended, oh yeah, which, yeah. which is an animated page, yeah, animated, and they yeah. do like animations of I've like different that. things, so. You know, looking back onto going back to your one of your original questions, like why why can Doctor Strange just all of a sudden cast a spell to wipe everybody's memories clean, and and why couldn't he have just done something to prevent Endgame from happening? It's like, you know, you, there there are plenty of details that you can just kind of nitpick at that too, because I mean, looking at the previous Spider-Man movies, like the the scene where he. Uh, the scene where where Michael Keaton is in the car with him and he pulls a gun on him and he's like you you try to get in my way I'll kill you I'll yeah. kill everybody that you love. There's a scene and the they they replayed that scene in the how it should have ended videos spoilers, uh-huh. but but he's like <laughs> he's like hey do you have super strength and and he goes what and he like throat punch and he punches him in the throat and he grabs him by the hand he's like help I'm a miner and this guy has a gun on me somebody help me. <laughs> So there, there are like there are like little nitpick uh, points that you can make of like the logic of these movies, but I mean, as as somebody who, who but that's va- a who, big, but that's a big thing though. Yeah, you're, I mean, you're talking like that thing, like okay, cool. But you're talking about strange, can like yeah, sure, we'll, we'll wipe somebody's. He he also, I mean, he you could also argue too that like Endgame didn't necessarily have to end the way that it did because they have they have the stones, mm-hmm. so he could have easily grabbed the time stone and just over. Tony Stark's corpse just rewound him back That's to life, kind of like, kind of like how, kind of like how Thanos did with Vision after yeah. after Scarlet Witch blew up the Mind Stone. He just turned back time to bring Vision back to life, so he could pull it out himself. Like he could have easily just done the Time Stone deal and, and done that. So why did he do that? <laughs> I, th- I think it's just the willing suspension of disbelief at this uh, point. I think it's I think it's just theater one hundred and one. Um, if if I had to take a to take a jab at it. Um, yeah, I, I mean, you have you have a point. I'll, I'll give you that. Again, I'm not saying that you're wrong to begin with to, to be griping over this stuff because everything the the way that Marvel is working now is they have something that works. So, you know, if if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Is kind of the mentality that I see them having. So mm-hmm. every little thing until until they start to see something where their success and their revenue is not as as great as they want it to be. I don't think they're going to deviate too far from every single thing is going to be a smaller piece to a, a bigger picture, to a bigger buildup. Mm. Um, and that's just how these movies are, are approached nowadays. Um, 
I'm just wondering if we're ever going to get back to, like, you know, like we're Sam Raimi Spider-Man where they're more self-contained stories and they're more about the characters and as opposed to, like, the larger world that they're in. Like, is everything always going to be about, you know, end of the world, uh, gotta save the universe type thing? Or is it, like, could it be like, hey, like, dude, like, can Spider-Man beat this villain before he has a math test on Monday or whatever? You know, like, just... Small stakes, but still an entertaining movie. Like, you know, I can't tell you how many times I get tired of, like, oh, i got to save the universe. Like, like huh. Even, like, with this upcoming, like, Peacemaker show with John Cena, like, that end credit scene at the at the end of Suicide Squad. It's like, what do we need him for to save the fucking world? It was like, ah. Like, make it small scale. It doesn't have to be end of the world stuff. Just mm-hmm. little missions. So I'm hoping that that's what that show does. Because if it ends up being, like, this grand thing where he's got to like save the universe, whatever. I might be a little put off. I'll still watch because it's Cena, but small, small, small stakes is okay too. I mean, that was a cool thing about Far From Home too, is because yeah, it's set up for uh, a bigger picture for another movie, but it was for Spider-Man's own property, I mean, mm-hmm. and it was for the next Spider-Man movie. It wasn't anything like. I mean, there was that silly little end credit scene where. Uh, Nick Fury revealed himself to be the the scroll or the yeah, yeah. you know one of one of the aliens or whatever, and he's out on vacation or, or what have you. But there wasn't anything too high stakes at the end of that movie. It was just okay. How how are they going to recover from this? Like mm-hmm. what's what's the next phase of uh, what is the next phase of Spider Man going to be? It, it yeah. wasn't alluding to any any bigger major villain kind of kind of thing. And and with this teaser trailer, we don't know. What the payoff's going to be, if there's even going to be a payoff, or if the spell is even going to work. Yeah. So that's that's the cool thing about the trailer. It's just it it just kind of gave you enough to to let you know uh, of what the gist of the story is going to be and who's going to be in it, quote unquote, so to speak. And or, that's that's all I need. Maybe or maybe I just worked myself into a shoot because this trailer worked me into a shoot because this whole trailer could be entirely misleading and it'll be something completely different. So that's also possible because Marvel's done that in the past where it's like, like, I don't know if you remember the first teaser for Infinity War. You have that giant hero shot at the end of all of them charging. Mm-hmm. And that shot was never in the movie. Nope. And that was one of those like, oh, fuck yeah. Like, that's an awesome scene. Never happened. So who knows? Like, <laughs> Marvel's pretty good at, like, getting away with this. So, again, I'll, I'll I have my reservations about it, but... Again, once we come closer to the movie, and I'm sure they'll deliver because the directors behind this, they got good writers and directors behind it. I think it's John Watts, I think, is who's the director. Mm-hmm. Um, and the cast is good. I like everybody in it. Um, but, yeah, I'll, I'll mark out like everybody else if we get that. The I three, want. The three-man three Spider-Man. I want, <laughs> I want the scene in this movie and bring me back. To, to bring me back, bring me back to Dane DeHaan having a conversation with his father. And what about Peter? Not everybody gets a happy ending. I just want that scene in a movie. <laughs> oh man, I need to revisit those movies. I I'll try to before the movie comes out because it's been a hot minute. I remember. I think I remember the Amazing Spider-Man more. Uh, more, but I need to revisit Part Two because I remember being such an atrocity when i saw it but see and that that was the thing with with part two uh for andrew garfield's version for the mark webb version is they they didn't learn from 
Tobey Maguire's Spider-Man 3 is they try to do too much into one movie yeah, yeah. where there was a self-conflict with him and Gwen Stacy and, and again, the Spider-Man 2 formula where he's trying to make a relationship work while also living up to his responsibilities as the friendly neighborhood Spider-Man. But yeah, yeah, yeah. It was all like the the whole like second half of the movie was all just the buildup of they were trying to build up to the, the Sinister Six movie, which... Yeah would have been the the third movie but it it ended up getting scrapped and rebooted and recasted so we're here where we are now um yeah and i forgot what i was going to say from there but yeah well yeah you got you got all my questions answered um and i i feel like i just needed to vent to somebody who i knew would understand while still being a ultimate fan of, of the property that's coming so I'll, I'll, I'll be 100 honest i i i'm a mark for spider-man and i i say that in terms of like oh no that's fi- totally fine with i'm not i'm not gonna ar- i'm not gonna argue against anybody who doesn't see see things the way i see it or i'm not gonna argue with anybody who doesn't even like it because like i said that's you know people like what they like people like what they don't like mm. but in terms of me being a mark like there is nothing that's been put out that's spider-man related like not in the terms of cinematic universe but even like shows video games comics whatever like there is nothing that i have experienced that spider-man that i've ever walked out of and said oh my god that was so bad like every single thing that i've ever experienced has, has been like oh my god this is so great you can find something yeah that's awesome um now you got my questions answered so i'm a little more at ease with it uh now it's just for the movie to actually deliver, which if things are going the way they're going, the the trailer did say exclusively to theaters. So I mean, I'm, we're, I'm banking on that. So in terms of my industry, um, but well, he, I mean, well let's here's... say let's say worst case scenario, this is a a day in a streamer and theater. You want to see this on the big screen, right? Oh, for sure. Okay, I'm like, I'm definitely as, as soon as I find out that tickets are on sale, even. Like, what if they offered it a few hours earlier than the theater? Like, let's say it premieres, like, the day before, and you can buy it early at home. Would you still wait to go see it at the theater? Just stay, just turn off Twitter. That's all you got to do for one night. Yeah, I, I'm, just still gonna, to first I'm still going to go. I'm still going to do. I, traditionally speaking, I have seen these movies opening night, Thursday night, 7 o'clock, IMAX, okay. for Far From Home and Homecoming. So I think I think I would save it for, for the okay. big screen, just, right. just so I can... Just to continue with the tradition. I like that, yeah. I think there's certain movies, like, I don't know, I'm going to watch. I, I I saw Suicide Squad at home, but only because of, you know, I ran out of time and I was going to do a podcast. But, you know, any other time, a movie like that, those big movies, I'm going to see it on the big screen. So if, let's say, Disney Plus, for some reason, offered it for 30 bucks. I'd be like, hell no, I'm going to see that on the big screen regardless of how badly I, I do want to see it. Like, this would be a one I would pay. Like, if it was available to me, like, I would pay. But out of respect for the movie theater experience and and just Spider-Man swinging all over the place, you want to see that freaking on the big screen. You want to experience that, yeah. Or as Manny Pena called it, Marvel's Inception from some of the scenes. And I was like, shut up. <laughs> But some of those visuals are going to look cool on the IMAX screen. It is going to be aesthetically pleasing, and that's yeah. one of the good things that, that Marvel has done throughout the, the decade that they've been telling stories through their cinematic universe. Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, that's uh, I think that's going to do it. We've, uh, we've gone at length here, and 
I'm pretty confident we've covered everything that we wanted to cover. Uh, we usually pregame before me and Brandon. We talk about everything that we want to discuss, and I think we got it all out of the way, right? I think so too. I think uh, I think I think I think we called our shot at the beginning of this one. I, I think this uh, this will definitely match or mirror what we did on the spinoff for for 90s films thir- turn 30 i mean i feel like i got all of my thoughts out there there's really nothing i could have said differently or any more thoughts that i could yeah. speak out into the universe for this episode and i'm sure when i listen to it back we'll we'll see if i we'll see if i i think to myself oh i should have said this or oh i i forgot to bring this up mm-hmm. but i think for the most part i think i got everything out there yeah, me too um again i'm super super excited for all out um, a little bit more than SummerSlam, just be, all because of CM Punk. That's the huge draw. It's the big interest, the curiosity factor, and just overall AEW is on fire right now. And I think that's going to continue Sunday, and we'll see. And, you know, it's going to be like I think it's going to be like the old days where we'll see a couple of surprises, and we're going to be like, "Oh my god, I can't believe this happened," or "This person returned," or whatever. You know, whatever's in store, or if not, it's still going to be a fun show regardless because that's what AEW does. So. Uh, that's going to wrap it up uh, for this episode. Thank you all for joining, tuning in. I know we went on pretty long, but when Brandon and I get a conversation going about wrestling, even movies, we can go on forever and ever. So much thanks to him. I appreciate him so much for coming on. Um, he's always welcome on this show whenever he wants to come on. I'll never turn him down. I won't ever, I won't ever really turn down anybody if you want to come on and talk on this show. Looking, looking forward to that football football podcast that, that you got coming up yes the sm football marks folks uh we had our pilot we did it last week uh our next episode will probably be coming up this week with week one on the wings preseason football's finished so all eyes on the regular season and uh we'll see what happens brandon you you got an open open invite on that show whenever you want to turn up whatever week whenever man beautiful thank you so much for that thank you so much again for having me on and uh you know what? If, if you don't mind, I'm, I'm going to do something a little different than I normally do, but okay. I'm going to, I kind of want to, kind of want to pull a Babe Ruth here. Okay. And I kind of want to call my shot early. But, um, come December time, I, I, I do want to revisit this conversation. And if you are willing to do a review episode for Ooh, No Way a, Out, we could do a whole Spider Man episode if you want. We can rank all the movies. If you want, I'm I would be down for my, that. My wheels are turning now. You got you, you mentioned that. So. so so I'm I'm looking I'm looking out to the fences. I'm looking at the scoreboard. I'm calling my shot. So come December when we when we watch, No okay. Way Out. Okay, Spider McLaughlin, No Way Out, <laughs> episode whatever one thirty, whatever we get to it. No, no, for sure. Yeah, no, hell yeah. Um, we can probably maybe even go catch the movie and then come back and do the pod. Whatever we can. I'm game. We can make a day out of it. So uh, that'll be. Coming soon, folks. That's an early teaser. He did it for Terminator, and be on the lookout for Spider-Man. That's that's in the books. We'll we'll circle back to this. But anyways, that's gonna do it for this episode. Thanks to Brandon. I'm Palace. You can catch me on all the platforms: Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Podbean, wherever you get your podcast. This will be up shortly for you guys, and we'll see you on the next episode. Take care. Peace out.